everyone. This is Angela Bowen, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I'm going to be (laughs) reviewing a movie that I actually started reviewing, gosh, probably about two years ago, and I kind of tabled it for a bit. I'm like, you know, I kind of want to, you know, not just do movies that I grew up with that we're familiar with from, you know, 80s and 90s. I also have done... You know, some TV movies like Terror in the Family of Hillary Swank. You know, Sorry and Hillary Swank. Dan Laria and Joanna Kearns. There's another movie in particular. This one is actually based on a true story. There are actually some TV movies based on true stories that I have watched that I definitely want to cover for the podcast. This one in particular, it came out in 1991. It's called Captive. This movie stars Joanna Kearns as Kathy Plunk, Barry Bostwick as Paul Plunk. We have Chad Lowe. He is the, I believe, younger brother of Rob Lowe. We also have John Stamos of Full House fame. He is playing Robert Knott. All right, so I am going to read the synopsis. Paul and Kathy Plunk move away from phoenix arizona so that their baby daughter may grow up in the in the healthy oregon they buy a small motel in a lonesome mountain re- region it could be idyllic but their first guests are the, are the wanted criminals robert knott and jeff frost who are on the run from the police they need money so they assault the plunks Force them to withdraw all their money from the bank. But the nightmare just begins. They take the plunks and their baby with them as hostages. Their life is worth nothing to the psychopathic criminals. This is actually written by, you know, an IMDb user. This actually, wow, it's got a low rating. This honestly is, it's a good movie. The acting is just amazing. I mean, we see a different side of John Stamos who we all grew up watching him on Full House for eight years, for eight seasons. So yeah, it says the rating on IMDb is 5.6 out of 10, based on 204 ratings. This movie actually is currently, I believe, on YouTube if you want to go check it out. Definitely check it out because you are just, you're seeing John Stamos play a character. And even Joanna Kearns, who played Maggie Seaver on Growing Pains, just, this is definitely different than Maggie Seaver. A character different than Maggie Seaver. This episode, the movie was directed by Michael uh, Churchner. I'm sure I mispronounced his name. We got Leonie Sandercock as the writer. Let's see, do we have any trivia? There is no trivia. Oops, sorry guys. Looks like this movie came out on television October 3rd 1991 there's also a really good movie it's called Desperate Choices to Save My Child that has Bruce Davidson Joanna Kearns Reese Witherspoon and Joseph Mazzello from the movie The Cure and also the first Jurassic Park movie and I'm going to save the reviews for this movie on IMDb the user reviews for after. I'm actually going to intercut what I've actually already covered of the movie 
into this and then kind of pick up where I left off. And of course, none other than he was on Full House at this time in season four, John Stamos. I understand kind of probably what he wanted to do here was kind of get away from his Uncle Jesse family clean cut image and play a psycho killer drug addict. Here's the tagline. He forced his way into her home. He threatened her child. He took her by force. He's a pathological criminal. So why does he, why does she feel guilty? That's a tagline. We have some connections. Bonnie and Clyde. This is a movie that Jeff Frost, who is a bit younger than, or not Jeff Frost, uh, character uh jeff played by chad lowe is like really big into bonnie and clyde butch cassidy and the sundance kid he's just living this idealized joyride romp with robert frost how these two ever got together clearly whether they were in lockup together whatever i don't know yes i actually um watched this movie when it was like probably on Lifetime, back in the late 90s when I got cable. And I was watching, Growing, Growing Pains had been on the Disney Channel in uh, the fall of 97. And I just was really, I, I really liked Joanna Kearns as an actress, her, her motherly figure, and all that. And I think that kind of like, oh, and John Stamos, you know, from watching Full House and stuff, this was seeing him play a completely different character and the way he treats Michelle Tanner on Full House and the way he treats this baby who's right around probably the age of season two Michelle which was probably about maybe two years old vastly different like night and day difference he is Uncle Jesse he is not in this movie and he's not supposed to be so now, that being said, guys, let's jump into this movie. I have not watched this since I think I taped it off the television back in, like, the uh, mid to late 2000s when it had re-aired. So, I'm interested to watch this again and kind of see what my reaction to it is after all this time of watching it again. So, the movie starts, you see uh, the water, and you see... Paul and Kathy driving in their van. Um, one thing that kind of goes once they're in the vehicle and stuff, kind of throughout the movie, is you know how they parents will play those little baby tapes for the baby songs, like Itsy Bitsy Spider and London Bridge is Falling Down, just a way to kind of keep the babies calm and stuff like that. So that does kind of... It's an innocent time here in the beginning, but it's almost like the lyrics in one of the songs... I think it's like London Bridge is falling down or something, but later on when it gets like really, really dark to where Robert Frost actually is assaulting Joanna Kearns, you hear like one of the songs, I think it's London Bridge is falling down, and it's just the wording and stuff just mixed with what's going on in the scene. It's just really like, ugh. It just kind of meshes in a way. It's like, ugh. What you're getting from seeing this is just an, a nice, happy, married couple. They're moving to a new state. They have their baby, Katie, who's probably, I'd say maybe two, or maybe a little less than that. She's about the same age that Michelle Tanner was in season one of Full House. 
she speaks some words like cows and like as uh, Kathy's pointing like honey look cows and cows we do see the as they're driving past the welcome to Oregon sign Oregon 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 how do you pronounce it there's like I don't know oh she says trees like oh we're gonna go where there's lots of trees and Kitty's like trees they're driving away because at first Paul's driving but now it's nighttime Paul's asleep in the passenger seat because they're driving a van and Kathy is driving and this is where the score to the movie kind of comes in it's really it's light it's idyllic just sounding like oh it's a happy family and everything like they don't know what's going to culminate like what's going to happen and everything it's just it's it's sweet because we get to see them just kind of in their element adjusting to not only living in a new state but also, they're going to be property order owners of a motel and just trying to do that. They finally pull up to the mo the motel and it's like three floors. And it's just, the outside of the motel maybe isn't a, it's not really, it's just, I wouldn't even say a log cabin feel. It just feels like they like glued a bunch of logs together and, but I mean, it's, kind of plain looking I guess but and we learn that I'm guessing is it the town that's called Yahats? I always thought oh the motel is called Yahats. but no I think it I think it's the town Yahats. Paul and Kathy look like a couple that because they both look like in their mid to late 30s and Katie's only two years old, so it's like, they look like a couple that either maybe were kind of careerish focused and then decided to have a kid, or maybe they're a couple that have been trying and just not been able to conceive, and then they finally have been blessed with a baby. I mean, this is 1991. Growing Pains would have been off the air, off the, off the air a year later, so. So I believe, I think Paul and Kathy actually moved from Arizona to Oregon. And Paul is just, he's having a little bit of reservation. Like, gosh, I can't believe we like, just dropped everything and like, came to Oregon to run a motel. But I want to play this clip because it's just, it's really, really sweet. And you just, you get to see, it's like the calm before the storm. Just a little perfect happy family before like shit hits the fan. So we do get a timestamp at the bottom of the screen. It says December 1987. And basically the caretaker for the Yahats Motel, Nigel, has just come to give them the keys and everything like that. Of course, if you need another reminder of it being around Christmas time, Nigel says to Paul, I wouldn't be happier, more happier to see you if you were Santa Claus. He's just probably had to wait though. <laughs> Wait for them to arrive. Like, ah, I'm so happy to get out of this place. <laughs> and, of course, Kathy introduces baby Katie to Nigel. Like, oh, she's such a, this little girl, she's played by twins, I believe. And she, they're just so cute. So cute. I wonder if they're having more stuff moved later because they are driving, like, a minivan. And they have, like, a bunch of, like, taped up boxes in the back. I'm like, wow. I was going to say, I mean, they have a kid, so it's like, wow, all your stuff and all the baby stuff just fit in boxes in the back of your... Cool. 
Nigel's like, oh, is this a little creature that was conceived on the premises? Like, oh my god. Probably. <laughs> I'm not sure how long. I wonder if we find out how long Paul and Katie, Paul and Kathy, excuse me. Ay, ay, ay. Um, how long they've been married. Nigel tells them something that escrow won't be ready till next week. Of course, he's got to disappear before then. Like, hey, you don't mind, right? It's funny, because Nigel, of course, has an accent. Because don't most name Nigel have one? I don't know. Maybe not. So, Kathy's just so excited to be there. Like, ready to start on this new adventure. And, of course, Paul, he's kind of like the warrior. Like, yeah, with some paint and some carpet and keeping up. She's like, yes, 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 I know. Keeping up on the payments. And we will. This definitely sounds like something she probably kind of talked him into doing because he, I mean, every new new venture when it comes to probably something like that, money is always going to be a big worry. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, so the money we're going to put into it are going to make back what we put into it with the business. So she kisses Paul, puts all the worries out of his head, like, honey, it's not going to be a problem. Okay, now we are going to move on to... Robert Frost and Jeff Knott. They are played by John Stamos of Full House and, as I said, um, Chad Lowe, who is Rob Lowe's younger brother, I believe. Which the only thing I can think of that I've seen Chad Lowe in would have been 2002's movie Unfaithful. He played, like, um, a co-worker of Richard Gere's, who later on gets fired. And then he lets it be known to Richard Gere's character that his wife is cheating on him. Yeah. So, looks like... I don't think they even have car trouble. I think it's just a lure to get someone to stop and pick them up and take them somewhere. So, this is our first look at John Stamos. He really raggedy, black, oily, long, mullety. It's, it's like Jesse... Uncle Jesse from season one, Full House, with the long hair. But he's got a scraggly bit. He just literally looks like someone who would murder somebody. Nothing against people with, with dark hair, mullety hair, and beards. But this is just like, oh. You just immediately get creeped out. He just has that vibe about it. Just that look. So I think he leaves it to Jeff to kind of do all the talking and the schmoozing. Because he looks less threatening because Jeff honestly has got to be someone who's like right out of high school like maybe 21 22 years old granted no that's not right out of high school but practically this kid none of those two went to college they probably most likely dropped out of high school and they met each other in a halfway house and this old couple is who pulls over like hey you having tr car trouble son because they're like a senior citizen couple like look like they're like late 50s 60s and they're listening to this, like, big band music from, like, the 30s or 40s. It's, like, it's really loud. And, oh, John Samuels, um, his character, Robert, is the one that turns, like, oh, well, the alternator's, like, messed up. Can you give us a ride to the next town? And he's, like, well, we're not really going that way. This is, even older people, I get you want to be hospitable, but you don't give people rides. You don't, clear rule. Do not pick up hitchhikers. Do not do that. Don't even do it today. It's probably just as riskier now today than it was in 1987. 
And Robert's like, well, we got to go north. And the elderly man's like, well, we're going south. That's the best we can do. There's a police cruiser that we passed. Maybe they can stop and help you. And Robert just looks so imposing there. He's putting, like, either hand on either side of the um, driver's side window and just kind of looking in. And you just see his eyes are, like, bloodshot. His hair is just... He looks really menacing. So Robert turns back to look at Jeff, who's just standing there. He's wearing like a jean jacket. And he's just like... <laughs> and Robert, of course, turns back to the elderly couple with this like, yeah, we'll, we'll go with you guys. As in like, you guys want to drive like, right now because this is going to get not good. Robert's jacket just looks like it's something that's been soaked in oil because it's raining and everything. It just looks really nasty. And Robert doesn't really seem to have a real beard. It's more like a five o'clock shadow thing going on with his face. Maybe he'll it'll be more of a beard later. I love how Jeff and Ro Robert are in the back seat and the old lady's trying to make conversation like, oh, you boys on holiday? And... Robert's like, yeah, you might say that. Just really, oh, sinister. And of course, elderly people ain't picking up the cues. Like, if, you, if they were picking up cues, they would not have picked up. They would have just keep on going, keep on driving. Do not even, mm. Doesn't take them long to pull out those guns and point them right at the back of the old man. Because Robert's right behind the driver's seat. He points his gun right at the back of that elderly man's head and Jeff of course points it right like downward at the at the lady's like shoulder like yeah only our holidays in the other direction so you do see the car turn around those people are probably dead no way did they leave them alive all right so now we're gonna go back to Paul and Kathy they're on the beach and mind you it's December 17th or December 1987. I don't know if it's 17th or not, but Katie is dressed in like snow pants and a winter coat and a hat. And it's like, come on, honey, let's go to the water. It's ice cold in that. Don't let her near that water. You nuts. She's going to get a cold. Then again, I don't know what the weather situation, what the temps are like in December in Oregon. So while Kathy is on the beach with Katie, we see. Hel is it Helda, Helga, and Rudy? I guess they're, I don't think they're officially, well, because she says Uncle Rudy and Auntie Helga. Um, I don't think they're officially her aunt and uncle. Maybe they're like friends and she just kind of grew up there and called them Uncle Rudy and Aunt Helga. And I like how Ru uh, Rudy's all like, ah, see, Katie, girl, Kathy, we, we told you we'd get you back here one day. Because <laughs> I guess she had been probably talking, you know, wanting to move back there one day. And this taking over a motel just seemed as best a good deal as any. So Helga's like, well, we're having a party later with candy and dessert. It's like, you, she's like less than two years old. But candy, dessert, food, oh yeah. Music to a child's ears. Never too young to enjoy candy and dessert. Alright, so it looks like we're going to Rudy and Helga's place. Uh, they got shuffleboard. They got a nice roaring fire in the fireplace going on. This place packed with people just having a grand old time. So yeah, they're kind of introducing Paul to some of the people around town. And one of them, which is, I guess, 
oh, it's his competitor, like, the guy, like, owns a motel down the way a bit. And, of course, the guy's like, oh, don't worry about it, because Paul was going to go shake his hand, like, oh, you're the competitor. Oh, I don't know. The guy's like, oh, no, no, no. We do business differently here. We're more like, um, we're not competition. Yeah, he says we do business a little differently here. More cooperation, less competitiveness, which, good, good, good. So, and Hilda, I think, yeah, she says, well, Kathy's been like a granddaughter to me. She's been coming here since you were, what, about that high? And it's like, yeah, yeah, what was I, like, eight years old? And um, you're just kind of getting her in touch with the the ladies there. They got also, you know, other people there that got kids. And just hopefully Katie can find a playmate. And just wanted to get out of Arizona and just kind of get back around, you know, family and friends and stuff like that. So apparently Kathy, we get a little backstory. Kathy's father, like, moved around a lot. And she just started screaming when they drove away that last summer and of course this one lady's like oh I don't know how you stand it I mean my kids as soon as they turned 18 they were like out the door like no we're getting as far away from yachts as possible so Kathy goes to check out uh check Paul see how he's doing Katie's doing well she's coloring or attempting to color in a coloring book and Paul is playing pool with some of the other competitor motels in around the neighboring areas and yachts and whatnot. So Kathy checks on him and she's like, hey, hon, how you doing? He's like, oh, honey, I just lost a motel, but we're good. We're good. <laughs> it's just, it's a sweet, tender moment. Husband and wife moment. It's just, it's sweet. It really, really is. Because this couple, they go through, they go through hell and back with what happens to them when they get uh, kidnapped and taken hostage. Their marriage definitely really. But you know, I'm 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 getting ahead of myself. I can imagine any any husband and wife that are taken hostage. You know, just cling cling to each other. Just. So we do see a smidge of a montage of Paul and Kathy fixing up the motel, getting the rooms ready, giving the building a nice fresh coat of paint and everything like that, sprucing it up. So yeah, they even got the Yahats Motel welcome sign. They got that light lit up, so that is good. They are ready to rock and roll. So... Um... <laughs> Paul is fishing with Rudy, uh, Hilda's husband, and he's saying it's nice to get away from it all, and Rudy says, you know, that's why we retired here, and Paul says, well, that's why we're moving here, just Tucson was turning into a bad area, you know, shady, shady morals, just not good people, just, you know, and they're raising a, their daughter, they wanted to to go move to a place where it's you know nice small town, not a lot of issues going on, not a lot of crime, none of that stuff. Kind of you know a nice small town idyllic feel, where probably the majority of the people that you live around are all gonna be like fifty five and older. Oh, so Rudy says you know glad you're here, and Paul says yeah look, you know I'm not looking to make a fortune, I'm just 
looking to make a goal of it. If I wanted to be a millionaire, I would have been still living in Tucson. He said, it almost is like the calm before the storm as he says, ah, Rudy, life does not get much better than this. And now we have Robert Frost, uh, Robert Knott and Jeff Frost showing up. They are going to be the Plunk's first motel customers. Paul is out there chopping wood. You know, I don't know if any of the rooms, I don't think they have fireplaces. I don't know how that place is being heated. But it just, it looks like, because there is a waterfront out by the Yahats Motel on one side of it. On the other side, it's a lone dirt road. It just looks like it's kind of, it almost feels like it's off the beaten path, away from any real, like, if something were to go down there, no one is really gonna see anything. Because it's like the building is hidden by like a forest of trees on one side and then you got the lake and everything on the other side and Paul doesn't really you know he sees his truck pull up and we see Jeff get out Jeff is the most non-threatening looking person and apparently Robert needs uh another coke fix because he's putting he's got this long like a hunting knife and he's putting like cocaine on it so that way he can snort it up his nose so it's like alright Jeff I'm gonna do this you go and make the reservation and you know I mean Paul doesn't really think much of it he just almost kind of glances at them over his shoulder like oh okay we got people good so and I'm wondering like where did Jeff get that money I mean seriously because you know that they were in the car with that elderly couple my guess is they probably killed them and took their money, or more likely held them at, you know, gunpoint, knife point, demanded their wallets. So this is probably money they that he's using to check into the hotel and or motel. And Kathy says, you know, our north front room is our best room since you know they're the first customers. First day, we're gonna put you there. We think you'll like it. Yeah, Kathy's just you know she's friendly, she's polite. These are her first customers. Trying to make conversation. She sees that Jeff is from Wisconsin. Like, oh, what's it like, like there? And he's like, oh, it's 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 cold. It's just really cold. She even mentions how she and her husband spent their honeymoon in the room that Kathy is going to be having Jeff stay with. You know, she hasn't met. I mean, if she met Robert, she would be like, honey, can you come here a minute? I was like, yeah. <laughs> But it's like, even if they tried to turn them away, it's like, what are you going to do? They got a gun, they got a knife, they could easily overpower you. Granted, Paul's got that ass he was chopping wood with. Yeah, she's just curious, you know? Are you, you trying to, you and your friend on hol here on holiday? He's like, oh no, we're working our way up the coast. Just these vague, vague details. He doesn't know what Robert has planned. He's just along for the ride, basically. Yeah, so she's like, alright, you're all squared away, here's your key, have a nice day, welcome, welcome, just go up the stairs, that's where your room's gonna be. I was like, oh, the damn stairs? No, thank you. I'm trying to think, if we, yes, we did, when we stayed at a, uh, a, couple, a couple few that had outdoor, that's the thing that made me nervous, is like, any hotel room where the door is like, outside the building, 
Or it's like there is no, you're not like in an actual building walking down a hallway going to. I just, I don't know why, but I just, I feel more secure if the hotel room is in, you know, you go into your room, you're walking and you're in a building, you're walking down a hallway. You're not like, oh, well, here's my room. You know, it's the door, the front door to my room is just, it, it just, it makes me feel so very vulnerable that anybody could just break in because the door is, it's outside, it's, it's there just for any, I just, I don't like that, I just, I don't. Honestly, nothing about Jeff screams like, oh, this is a bad guy, you know, he's wearing a jacket, he's got, you know, uh, medium length uh, hair, kind of looks like it could be washed, just. Nothing about him screams like, oh, this guy's going to rob me, this guy's going to rape me. But then again, we can't solely just base those aspects on, oh, that person, you know, it's like you're making a judgment call, like, oh, that person looks really rough, they look like they could, that anybody could dress just out of the normal and you don't know what they could do. So, we, yeah, it was not to judge just because, oh, this guy looks, you know, rough, like, judging someone's personality based on what they're wearing. Good. Okay, now our north front room is our best, uh, Mr. Frost. In fact, my husband and I spent our honeymoon there. Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin, huh? What's it like there? It's, it's cold. It's really cold. Not missing much. <laughs> you and your friend out here on holiday? Like they were just kind of, you know, working our way up the coast. Mm. Well, I think you're all squared away. Have a nice day. Your room is up those outside stairs into the very end. Okay. Okay. Have a good day. Okay, now that Jeff and Robert are both out of the vehicle. They're heading towards the room, which is at the top of those stairs. Paul does get a good look. We see that Robert's got, he's like got a, like a bow and arrow set thing going with him, which I don't know what that's for. But the look on Paul's face is just like, what, who, who did my wife let in here? He does have a look of concern. Like, these guys do look... Mainly Robert does look a little rough. Oh, he's got the long, you know, dark, greasy hair. He's got a five o'clock shadow thing going on. He just... Just... I don't know. All those damn stairs! I would not want to be lugging suitcases. They're not lugging suitcases. They have, like, duffel bags and whatever. But even still, it's like you're going up a set of stairs and you gotta turn around and go up another flight of stairs. And I'm just like, ugh, no. This isn't a run-of-the-mill, you know, motel. This is a clearly previously family-owned run ho hotel with maybe less than, I would say definitely less than 10 rooms, maybe 6 to 8 rooms tops. Because it, it does not look very big. But there's not going to be an elevator there. Because it's only basically two stories. Alright, so now we're in the room with Robert and Jeff. Robert's got a shirt off. He's got multiple tattoos. He keeps kind of like uh, using his thumb and forefinger to kind of like uh, rub at his nose. And now we got Jeff's obsession with Bonnie and Clyde. And just, just 
does continue in the movie. Just, it's this weird obsession, like, I want to be like Bonnie and Clyde. This kid's reality is so distorted, it's not even funny, and that is just so dangerous. Because he's going, he's riding along with someone who's so unpredictable that he has a drug habit. He just fluctuating constant. This guy is so dangerous. It's like, Jeff, how did you get caught up with Robert Frost? Robert not. Jeff Frost, excuse me. Clearly he's away, because Jeff is holding his gun, aiming at the TV. He's like, oh, I want to be included. And then he's got, the, he's got like the, you know, with his nose. It's like, okay, clearly he's snorting coke also or something, because come on. So, unbeknownst to them, <laughs> Kathy and Paul are doing a little, like, hey, we got a couple Dixie Cups here with some champagne in it. Let's cheers to our first customers. And probably their last for quite a while. So yeah, they cheers to our first customers. Kathy notices Paul's frown and like, why is it frown? What's going on? He's like, no, no, don't just. All right, here we go to our first customers. It's like, oh my goodness. Uh, so it looks like Robert's gonna snort another line of cra uh, coke, whatever the hell. Downstairs. Paul is getting ready to go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting, even though he doesn't really want to. It's like, well, you're a business owner. It's kind of, you know, required. And Kathy's plan is just, all right, once I put the baby down, I can just write some letters home because, you know, back then, long distance was incredibly, insanely expensive. So, <laughs> we don't have email yet or texting, so I'm sending a letter. So, in the room above where Robert and Jeff are staying, Robert notices he sees Paul leave in the van. So, it's like, okay, she's alone. We're just going to rob her and take off with the money and go. So, maybe that's what they meant by working our way up the coast. With what Jeff said. Uh, and yeah, it's like, okay, clearly he's out of the way. We don't got to worry about him. We just have the lady here. And the thing is, she's even going to flat out say, it, probably multiple times, when they do rob her, she says, this is all we have. I told you, you're our first customers. We don't have anything else. So it's like, okay, well, great. The next thing, well, how about your checkbook? You got a checkbook? Do you have a wallet? Where's the money? Yeah, so this, as a bit, oh my gosh, does this escalate fast. The thing is, when Jeff checked in with Kathy at the desk, he doesn't, didn't know that they have a baby there. 
So, and I am, of course, jumping ahead. So, and just whoever does the sound or the score for this movie, it it sounds. Listen to the listen to this here. Yeah, it almost sounds like like a, a metal guitar solo or something. Just to indicate like, okay, shit's going down now. Shit is going. And this, honestly, this is ten minutes into the movie when the start is like this happens fast. They establish the family. They move to the odds. They got the motel. Their first customers. Bam! This. I mean, this movie is only an hour and twenty seven minutes. I mean, it's normal two hours with commercials, but you know. So, yeah. So, Jeff comes in first. He goes, you know, clearly Kathy is not there. So, he's, there's a little bell on the desk. He taps it. And the nice man that she checked in that morning, that afternoon, whatever, he's gone. And, of course, right behind Jeff is Robert, who's extremely threatening with... You know, his appearance, even though he has judgment and all that stuff, but even still, it's like, no, this is not Uncle Jesse. This is not the Uncle Jesse that we had grown up with for four seasons up to this point. Oh, okay, so right behind the desk, there's a, sh a doorway that leads up to a set of stairs. That is where Paul and Kathy, that's kind of like their, their room, their little apartment, whatever you want to call it. So she comes in and asks, you know, what can I do for you, Mr. Frost? And he's like, oh, yeah, we need some money for the pop. The pop, they're in Oregon. Do they say pop there? Because, you know, I'm from Michigan and I say pop. I am not going to say soda. <laughs> I don't even think I, I honestly don't know now whether I've heard anyone use the word soda. I don't think I have so far since I've been here a year and a half. So, yeah, basically he's just, like, giving her money so she can open the drawer. And then here comes Robert sticking a gun in her face, like, give me all the money in your drawer right now. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yes, of course. He's polite about it. We'll take all your money. Please. And, and, uh, I, I just, I feel bad for Kathy. She's there alone. There's two men there. One of them has a gun. And even she's surprised. She's looking at Jeff like, oh, this is such a nice guy. This When I met him this afternoon and checked him in. She even turns in her head in Jeff's direction like, are you thinking, like, are you serious? And he actually kind of gestures with his hand like, sorry, come on, give us the money kind of gesture with his eyes like, yeah. Now, Jeff has got the gun aimed on Kathy while Robert is behind the desk going through the drawers looking for more money or a safe or something. He even goes over to the dress, the, the desk there, the drawer, pulls it out and then he's just like moving papers around. It's like, they don't have anything. What's going on? And she even, the few dollars that she has is what Jeff gave her. Like, I, well, I could give you your money back that you gave me for the room. and But she's just, I told you, you're our first customers. We haven't had anybody else. This is our first day. What the hell else are you going to say when a gun is pointed in your face? You're going to say anything. 
Like, I don't know what to tell you. I can't lie to you and say we have more money when we clearly don't. And, and he's pointing a gun, like, literally right in her face saying, don't play games with me. She says, I told you, you're our first customers. This is all we have is what you gave us. Oh, Jeff, of course, is freaked. Like, Robert, I think she's telling the truth. All right, let's get out of here before he comes back. You know, he is in Paul before Paul gets back. So Robert asks her, where's your checkbook? What do you think you're going to do with a checkbook and a blank check? I get it. It's 1991. But what is she going to do? Here, sign the back of the check. Write your name on it, so that way you can write. I can write whatever amount. How much do you have in your bank account? Okay, thank you. Are you? I'm surprised you're not gonna force her to like write a blank check to him at gunpoint. Like, yeah, thank you. So Kathy, of course, lies and says, "My husband has it." And then we hear Katie crying, and he's like, "Oh, what's that?" And she's basically just wanting to get him out of here. Like, look, just, I'll get, just, I don't have anything. Yeah, she hands him the money which Jeff gave to her. It's like, look, just take what we have and go, please. And the, this guy, he's got, yeah, he's not playing nice. It's like, no, I think it's time we meet the rest of your family. And he forces her up the stairs. She's scared to death. Like, this man has a gun. He could shoot my baby. And myself. She's just crying, like, please, please don't hurt my family, don't hurt my family. Oh my gosh, it's just, oh my goodness. This, this TV, I'm, movie, I mean, it really goes for the heart-stopping moments here. Basically, this TV movie was built around court documents of the actual case of, and interviews from Paul and Kathy Plunk what they went through, all of that stuff. So Robert shoves Kathy up the stairs to the room she shares with her husband. And I mean, you hear Katie crying. She picks her up. Jeff, of course, did not know that there was a baby when he checked in. And he's like, this is too much, man. We should go. I mean, that's, that's not good. There's a baby there. That's and meanwhile, Robert 
who is just ripping drawers out of the dresser, looking for valuables, looking for money, for anything he could use. Probably for, you know, whatever, you know, reasons to get them farther up the coast. You know, eventually, you know, cops are going to find these leads of these crimes that have been committed and stuff. So, it's kind of a one and done, let's get in, let's get what we want, and then we can leave. And, yeah, Kathy goes right over to Katie, pulls her out of the crib, and just starts comforting her. And like I said, Jeff is literally, oh man, there's a baby. I, I don't know. We really should. We, we should go, man. Let's go. And Robert's like, no. So Robert yells at Kathy, sit down. Jeff, shut up. You sit. Jeff, get over by the door in case her husband shows up. So... Kathy keeps eyeing the door like if she can just get down the stairs and get out of the hotel or the motel because she keeps seeing you know Robert is distracting he's going through the drawers ripping clothes out of the dresser and of course Jeff is by the door waiting for in case Paul returns early of course you never, even with there being railings, you, and she has a baby. I get it, you fear for your life, you don't know what's going to happen, you take whatever chance you can possibly get. She darts out the door, and Robert's like, hey, and he goes after her with the gun. Jeff, who's, he's in the other doorway, that's what, on the other side of, so maybe it's another room or something like that. But she darts, of course, running down the steps with a baby, or just in general, it's like never a good thing. You're not holding, you're gonna trip, you're gonna fall. Which she does. Luckily, the baby's okay, but Robert does stop her, puts a gun in her face, and says, You do that again, and I'm going to kill your baby. And then he proceeds to yank her back up the stairs by the top of her hair. He even, yeah, when he goes down there and he, he grabs her hair, he says, that was really, really stupid. You do that again, and I'm going to kill your baby. And then he proceeds to yank her up the stairs by her hair. So, yeah, he leads her back into the room. with, <laughs> Of course, he tells Jeff that you are useless. He calls him, Fro you know, by his last name, Frost. Like, Frost, you're useless. You sit in this chair and you do not move. So yeah, he has Jeff come over and point the gun at Kathy so she doesn't move. So Robert goes over, takes Katie, like, give me the kid, give me the kid. Like, and Kathy is reluctant, like, no, 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 don't take my baby. Like, no, he basically just puts the baby back in the, uh, the cradle, the, the, why am I here? The crib, excuse me. Katie now at this point has stopped crying. Yeah, Robert has found the checkbook in the nightstand. And of course she said, oh, you lied to me. I found the checkbook. So yeah, he looks at the checkbook, sees how much money is in there. And he says, bingo, they're loaded to Jeff. And then he looks at Kathy and says, 
you lied to me. Kathy's trying to say, no, no. And Robert says, no, you did. Says, you have $109,000 in here. I'm thinking, um, I think mostly I went to the purchase of the motel. So I don't think that's how much they have in there right now. Okay, so she says, no, we paid 100000 on the motel two days ago. So that means that if that's the case, then they only have like 9000 in the bank. Robert's pissed off now. He takes the checkbook, chucks it at Kathy, and then turns the gun on her again. And she is just, she's like pleading, and like, no, 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 please, please, please. If you think, I mean, even to even recount this the story, even for court and just for the purposes of, of this movie, it just, I can't even begin to know the traumatizing and psychological damage that was done, that ordeal. I've never, I don't ever want to be in a situation like that. I, I don't like the idea of anyone being in a situation like that. But I gotta tell you, John Stamos, this role, he is convincing as, um, whether it's serial killer, murderer, well, I don't think he's a serial killer, he's just a, I want to read, I want to definitely look up more on this, this guy, I wonder, because there are so many crime podcasts out there, if somebody hasn't already covered the case of the Plunks and Yahats, the Yahats motel thing. So Jeff tells Robert, look, 9000 is still a lot of money. If we kill her and her baby, we get nothing. 
So it sounds like Jeff is trying to de-escalate the situation. Like, he clearly does not want to kill anybody. Robert is out of control. I mean, Jeff, there's no way that Jeff can even control this guy. So he's just like, look, 9000 is still a lot of money. If we kill her, we get nothing. And Kathy is just, I mean, because she's got a gun pointed right at her face. Wouldn't you be pleading for, for, for anything if we put this in these places? And, okay, so it looks like, yes, Paul is finally back. I think he probably forgot something is why he's back so early. Okay, so Paul has, he's oblivious to what's been going on. He's whistling as he goes up the stairs calling for Kathy. And he's like, oh, hey, sweetie, doesn't know anything's wrong. Doesn't see Robert, who's right behind the door. And then Jeff, of course, is right there with the gun pointed right at Kathy. So... Kathy is holding on to Katie. He doesn't, doesn't even see you know expression on his wife. He's like, oh, hi, baby, hi. And right away, Robert jumps out from behind the door, grabs Paul, and pulls him to the floor and sticks the gun right in his chest, saying, if you move, she dies. Paul is pleading, like, oh, take whatever you want, please, just don't hurt my family. And Robert tells Paul, we're all going to take a little trip to the bank in the morning. So in the meantime, before they go to the bank in the morning, Robert says, oh, we're all going to have a little fun. And he turns the vacancy sign off where it just says no vacancy. <laughs> No, Robert, Robert, nine thousand is a lot of money. If we kill, if we kill her, we get nothing. Please. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God. kitchenette, a bed, a couch, slash living room kind of thing going on. So Robert comes back upstairs after turning the no vacancy sign on and Paul is I don't know whether it's zip ties or handcuffs because his arms are behind his back or maybe he's just been you know tied up with a rope, who knows. But Robert who's got a chair right next to the bed that Paul is on 
because Robert takes Paul's watch, like, oh, nice watch. And Paul asks, like, well, what are you going to do with us? I mean, Paul couldn't be more helpless because his arm, what are you going to do if your arms are behind your back? You're not doing anything. I think even his feet are tied up. So apparently even Jeff wants to know, like, hey, Robert, what are we going to do with him? And Robert looks at him and asks, are you an echo? And he looks at Paul kind of figuring, like, oh, what are we going to do with you? Like, he, he doesn't know. He's, like, basically flying by the seat of his pants here, these decisions. But, like, this wasn't planned. All they planned was getting money and leaving. But now they have hostages. Robert turns a gun on Paul. Just points it out for shits and giggles, basically. Because even, you know, Kathy, like, sits up in the chair that she's sitting in and just, she's scared to death. Like, he's, this man's gonna basically execute her husband right in front of her. And yeah, even Robert looks, oh, he, he does with his eyes kind of looks in Kathy's direction to make sure she's watching as he cocks the gun and puts his finger on the trigger like he actually is going to shoot Paul. So he's just basically screwing with them. Like, oh, I'm going to mess with your heads. Like, oh, I'm not going to shoot your husband right now. That doesn't mean that I won't later if I want to. Like, basically, your lives are mine to play with and do what I, what I want until I get bored with you. So is there no bullets in the gun? Because he's just going through the chambers just with the trigger. And, <laughs> of course, Paul is just like, Oh my gosh. I, mean, can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's not, the gun is not even loaded apparently. But I mean, are you really going to toy with a person who's got a gun in your face? Like, oh, is it loaded? Like, oh yeah, let's find out. Like, no, you're not going to ask that question. Even Jeff is like, <laughs> thinks it's funny because Robert is just dropping the bullets. They're like, yeah, I have no bullets in this gun. Yeah, because Paul has to, you know what, probably you're so scared to death that your bladder is going to work against you. Because he says, I, I have to use the John Hank for the bathroom. And here Robert's like, hey, hey Jeff, he's got to use the John. <laughs> and Robert says, oh, I bet you do. He takes one single bullet and puts it in one of the, cha the chamber in the gun. And points it right at Paul. Ugh, I just feel I feel bad for Paul. I really, really do. And Kathy, they're going through this. I mean, the fact that they say, you know, that Katie is so young, she's not even going to remember what happened. But even, it seems like, so far, Katie, Katie is quieting down. She's not crying anymore. Like, she must sense, like, the tension from her mom and her, her dad, like, this... Yeah, I think honestly, kids could be really good reads on something like that. So Katie is crying. It's morning time. Kathy's trying to fight her down, singing the Itsy Bitsy Spider song, and nothing is is working. And Paul is asking Kathy, like, is she okay? He's like, I. Well, I don't know. Has she been able to change the baby's diaper? Any of that stuff? Not to mention, I mean, like I said, baby, you are are good at, you know, sensing these things. She probably does sense the tension, you know, in her mom and her dad. Like, they're not acting like they normally do. So she's crying, you know, in, in fear. She's crying. So, yeah, this is definitely not Uncle Jesse because he comes 
Robert comes out of the bathroom, drying his hands, and says, you shut that kid up? I don't want to hear that. So he says, Robert tells Kathy, we're going to Lincoln, I think he says Lincoln City, ask, does anybody know you there? And she shakes her head no. Well, wouldn't they go to the bank that you would have the account at? You can't just go to any bank. Say, I want to take money out of my account. Well, it's like, well, do you have money at this bank? I mean, you can go to any ATM and pull money out. It's going to pull it out of your account. It doesn't have to be a necessary. The ATM doesn't have to be a particular bank ATM. But, I mean, if you're going to an ATM that's connected to a bank that you don't have an account at, you're not getting money out of it. So, basically, he says, all right, so you go, you get the money, you come back. As long as you don't do anything stupid, we'll tie you up and we'll leave you. That'll be the end of it, basically. You won't see us again. We're going to take your money and we're going to we'll be out the door. You won't see us again. So, Robert's in his truck with Kathy, who has Katie on her lap. We got Jeff driving the fan, their van, the Flunk's van, with Paul you know, in the passenger seat. She okay. Now shut that kid up. Alright, here's the plan. We're going to Lincoln City. Does the bank know you there? Good. Go take it. Shut up! Now, if she comes back with the money and she hasn't done anything stupid, We'll tie you up and we'll leave you. Now let's go. Let's go! So, of course, I don't know where the hell Lincoln City is. And even Paul, who's now got his hands tied in front of him, as Jeff is driving their family van, asks, why are we going... Yeah, he's, he asks, why are we going south? Lincoln City is north. And Jeff is like, hey, don't look at me. I mean, he's the Robert's the brains. I don't know. I'm just following him. Those guys aren't even from the area, so they're not going to end. It's not like you got GPS in 1991. What I'm thinking they're doing, because they stopped off at this, uh, off this deserted road, this area where I guess they are logging, big giant logs and stuff like that for whatever, I don't know. Anyway, it just seems like this movie is nothing, it's constantly raining all the time. I don't know if that's a thing for Oregon or not, but anyway. My guess is, like, Robert's ditching that vehicle, that truck, because, you know, more likely cops probably recognize that be like, oh, they are seen driving this truck. It's like, okay, well, then we are just going to stick with your van and using that. Robert puts Kathy and Katie into the back of the van, the passenger behind, anyway, and Paul and Kathy are alone, he has this. Did he hurt you? Did he do anything to you? And she's like, no, no, no. So, and I like Paul here. He's trying to comfort his wife. Look, just stay calm. Everything's going to be fine. We'll just give them the money and they'll let us go. We go outside for a minute because Robert says, we're going to leave the pickup here because the cops are going to think that we're going south. Okay. So then I guess Paul was right to kind of question, like, wait a minute. The bank is in this, this city is like that way. Why are we going this way? Like, oh, clearly they had to ditch the truck. And, and, you know, Paul and Kathy are alone. I says, well, they don't, the keys aren't in the van, so it's not going to be 
just take off in the van because the keys aren't in there. Those guys were not going to leave the keys in there. So Paul says, if they lay a hand on you or Katie, I swear to God, I am going to kill them. And Kathy puts a hand on Paul's, you know, on his cheek and she says, I love you, Paul. And she's, oh, it, it's so heartbreaking because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if they're going to be killed or anything. But it's just in that, that moment, that, that closeness, it's like we just, we have to take what moments we have just to just remind you, you know, that I love you and everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you okay? Did you hurt you? No. Just try to stay calm, sweetheart. Everything's gonna be fine once we give them the money. We're leaving the pickup here. Cops will figure we're going south. If they lay a hand on you or Katie, I swear to God, I'll kill them. I love you, Paul. So Robert has Jeff drive the van so that way Robert can think of a plan. Because apparently Robert can't think and drive at the same time. Okay, looks like they checked into another motel. I just, I'm honestly thinking about when Jeff checked into the Yahat Motel. And I'm just saying the fact that he gave his own name and didn't, like, make up a name. I mean, I don't know if he had to show ID or any. Usually you would have to and have a credit card. I mean, I don't know if hotels actually take cash. Usually they want a credit card on file. I mean, now that they have, you know, Paul and Kathy there, you know, they're, they're hostages and they probably don't want to leave a paper trail. Like, we'll just have, you know, Paul or, or, or Kathy check in to the hotel for us and have it under their name. So, Robert tells Kathy, all right, it's 10 o'clock. You have 40 minutes. You're not back. I'm killing your baby killing your husband and you Jeff over there you're gonna be on your own Jeff honestly where do these two meet how does he oh it's almost like putting Harry and Marv together from home alone and wonder how in the hell these two are totally polar opposites did they wind up together who knows because just like take it easy Robert I have it under control and Robert says yeah you don't have your shaving under control Jeff well, and he keeps, Robert keeps looking out the window. Of course he's paranoid thinking, you know, the cops are after them. They're looking for them and everything like that. And then Robert's at the door, like, peeking out, making sure, like, they're not being followed. And Paul asks Robert, when they come back and give you the money, like, you're going to let us go, right? And, yeah, and, the, yeah, Robert turns to him and says, oh, yeah, if you're a good boy, sure. I'll let you go. Like, <sighs> Already kind of reneging on, on, on what you said you're going to You would not trust this man. No matter what he promises you. No matter what he tells you. Yeah, they make this bank run here. Northern Pacific Bank. Lincoln City. I don't... I mean, unless that's where they have an account set up. Like, maybe Yahats is such a small that you have to go to another city just to set up a bank account. I don't know. So... Kathy must have already written out the check and everything like that. She hands it to the teller. Jeff is there. And the of course, it's like, basically, he doesn't know how much is in their savings. But, of course, once he puts in the information, he's going to see that they're basically withdrawing all their money. 
And but the look that he gives Kathy, it's almost like a silent plea asking like, is everything okay? Are you okay? And of course, Kathy has to pretend like yes, you know, every, every everything's fine. I mean, th they don't know this. They I don't think, you know, I don't think she comes they just moved there. So, how well the bank teller is going to know her? She just plays it off like, oh, we're going to go to a casino or something like that. And, of course, the bank teller does excuse himself. Like, just a moment, please. You know, he has to confer with, like, basically this person wants to take out everything in their bank account. Like, that uh, clearly is going to raise red flags. Like, someone wants to take all the money out of their bank account. Like, there's something is going on. Clearly, they're being threatened. There's a problem. Something's going on thing is, Robert did give her a time limit saying, it's 10 o'clock, you have 40 minutes, so 10.40, they have to be back there. It's already 10.17, so they have, what, 30, some, I don't know. They gotta, they gotta move it. Oh, he hasn't even asked for ID. That's usually the first thing bank tellers are going to ask you, whether you want to take money out of your account, put money into your account, cash a check. They're going to ask straight up for ID and usually your debit card or whatever, you know, that's tied to the bank account as another form of ID. They also ask for a major credit card. So this is, well, I think because this is an out-of-state Arizona driver's license, they haven't been there long enough to establish you know, and you know, get their address changed, get new driver's licenses, new plates on their vehicles, none of that stuff. So that's probably why he needs a second form of ID. Usually, it's going to be a credit card. I'm surprised she didn't already have the bat signed just as a precaution. Get it done. I mean, it's not like you're going to lose that check and they're going to run off with it. And this, honestly, that's the thing. Like, what if they just said, "Hey, write me out a check." How much you got in your bank account? Great. 9000 Write it down. Give me the check. I'm going to go get the money. As long as I got it, you're good to go. Going through this entire... Well, that's the thing that I'm just wondering about. For such a high amount of money, even in 1991, writing a check that large and someone going, you know, and going to cash it, wouldn't they have to have a conversation with the... I, I don't know. I just really don't know. Plus, I mean, it's a personal check, too. It's not, it's coming from an, uh, a person's account. It's not like a, it's a business account. They haven't set up, like, a business account separate from their own personal account. So, so the bank teller asks her, how do you, like, do you, do you want a banker check or something like that? Jeff says, cash. And the teller looks at him almost like, who are you? Why are you answering for her? That's your first mistake, man. I mean, $9,000 in cash? That says cash. We want cash. The bank teller looks at him like he's just realized that he's been standing there. Like, almost like, who are you? Who are you? So the story she concocts is, oh, my brother and I are going to Las Vegas. So the, the, the bank teller, he just looks really hasn't, like, he, he, it's almost like a sixth sense. Like, he really, like, there's something up. 
with this lady. Like, she is not giving me a convincing story. But the fact that she keeps looking at that clock knowing, we need to get out of here. I don't know it's like what the distance is between the bank and that hotel they just checked, motel they checked into. But it's like, no, we need to go. She like, seconds are just, just rolling by. It's like, no, we need to get this done and get back. Like, my husband and my daughter's lives are at stake here. And mine as well. Alright, the bank teller says, okay, just a moment. And the fact that Jeff kind of smirks at Kathy, like, the fact that she came up with this story on the fly, like, <laughs> she almost like, oh, she's playing along, good. Alright, it's 10 o'clock. You got exactly 40 minutes. If you're not back, I swear to God, I'm gonna kill your baby, I'm gonna kill your husband, and leave. You'll be on your own. Hey, lighten up, Robert. I got it under control. You don't have your shaving under control. When they come back with the money, you're gonna let us go, right? You're a good boy. All right, it's clear. Let's go. Come on. All right, so now we're going to go back to the motel with Paul and baby Katie and Robert, who is doing something with a pencil and his fingers are kind of splayed out and he's kind of going between them. Is this something I swear it was done in like was it the alien movie? Was it Deer Hunter? I don't know. Basically instead of a pencil it would be a knife going in between or something like that. And Paul is you know on the bed he's trying to you know, keep Katie entertained, keep her from crying, definitely keeping her from crying because apparently that really agitates Robert. So, yeah. And, of course, Paul looks over his shoulder at Robert, who looks at him and asks, what are you looking at? Because Paul's on the, you know, playing with Katie, whatever toys they probably had in the diaper bag that they brought along. And Robert's like, oh, you want to play? Okay. So he takes Paul's hand and splays it. And instead of a pencil, he grabs this, his large knife. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, this is a TV movie, so they're not going to show anything like that. He's not going to lose it, any digits or anything. So yeah, I don't put Robert above hurting that baby. Like He, he says, like, oh, any hand will do. Like, you're going to hurt a poor innocent baby. So Paul's like, oh no, just use my hands. Like, gosh. So now we're getting back to the bank as the teller is counting out $9,000 to Kathy. So they turn to go and the bank teller's like, oh, Fred, you know, he's a police officer that's in the bank and asks if he would escort Kathy and Jeff to their vehicle just because nine thousand dollars is a lot of money it's like you can't be too careful i need to see some id mrs plunk right here i hope my arizona driver's license is okay sure and a major credit card and sign the bag How would you like it? Bank check? Cash. Cash. 
my uh, brother and I are going to Las Vegas. In just a moment, please. What are you looking at? What do you want to play? Oh, Okay. Come on. Ready? Oh, we don't use this. This is how we really play. Everything seems right. Thank you. Uh, just a moment, Mrs. Blunt. Fred! Would you escort these people to their car, please? Thank you. Next, please. So, back on the way to the motel... Jeff is just like slapping the steering wheel like oh my gosh Vegas can you look like <laughs> and then of course he's talking about the cop like oh my gosh when that cop came up I thought we were done for he is clearly distraught like she wants to get back to her husband near child it's like 40 minutes I mean my god good grief and you know she's starting to tear up you know she puts her you know covers her face with her hands and Jeff's all like, oh, come on. You were so good in there. We were like Bonnie and Clyde. And, and Kathy's like, can you please hurry? Please. It's like, I'm not here. This isn't a game for me. This isn't fun for me. You know, you basically are holding me hostage. And my husband and daughter's life are basically in your hands or in Robert's hands. So she goes to hand the money to Jeff, who's driving. And he's like, no, 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 divide it in half and look after Robert's half. So if it's 9000 that means that they each get $4,500. And Kathy admits, you know, I'm so scared of your friend. And Jeff tells her, like, yeah, <laughs> he's got that effect on people. Like, oh, see, Jeff is young and stupid and he is just, that's a dangerous combination when you've got a gun. Ugh. And it's just, he's basically listening. Robert's the one that's calling the shots and he's just following along. So, Kathy asked Jeff, he, Robert won't hurt my family, will he? And Jeff is not even paying attention or he's not answering. And she starts to say how, you know, you're not like him, you know, you're, you're different. You're so different from him. She asks, you know, how did you get mixed up with him? And Jeff tells her, well, we were in the same halfway house together. Of course, I told you, didn't I say? So they met a, They met in a halfway house in Wisconsin. Okay. Boost a car. What is it? Stand by me? He says, you know, one day we just figured we were going to boost a car and just head out west. It's a game to this guy. This guy can't be much older than, what, 19, 20 years old? Butch and Sundance. That's how he sees himself in... This guy is... He is delusional. He's living in a fantasy world. This is all a game to him. 
he basically yeah it's been one big party we've been drinking beer and popping pills and just like yeah they're basically going from you know robbing people businesses what have you just to get money to make another score on drugs snorting ice like cocaine whoever wrote this movie is just like yeah that's what they were doing and well I've never seen Butch and Sundance but apparently according to Kathy you know they died and he tells Kathy oh Robert wants to die and Kathy asks Jeff well do you and Jeff's accepting of it like basically if it happens it happens if it's in the cards like you know I guess well, I mean, like, that's not what I asked. I asked if you wanted to. Just, yeah. Jeff just figures that's his end game is that he's going to be dead. Kathy tells Jeff she's really, like, trying to get him on the side of, can you please help? She even asks, can you please help us? She even says, you know, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to die. Like, please, please, just help us. And Jeff looks like he's running on fumes as far as whatever pills or whatever he's taking or drinking or what. Yeah, Kathy even pleads with him saying, you know, if, maybe if you help us, we could help you. He is just, yeah, his, his frame of mind is just like, Robert calls the shots, like, yeah, maybe I can help you. I just, I gotta get my head straight. It just seems like this kid is, like, looking for his next heist, his next fix, his next... So, he says, I'll try. And then we get this creepy music of him actually, you know, really looking at Kathy and just, and just, it's like, oh, you're, you're pretty. And just, like, she looks at him just horrified, thinking, oh, what is this guy gonna do to me? And Kathy just like, can can she's just looking at him like what what can, can you just drive a little faster please it's like time is of the essence here. <laughs> Vegas, <laughs> that was great. We were great. <laughs> when that hat came up, man, I thought we were dead. But <laughs> come on, come on, you were great in there. We were just like Bonnie and Clyde. Please, just hurry. Hurry. Here. No, 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 no. Divide it in half and look after Roberts, please. Oh. I'm so scared of your friend. Yeah. He's kind of got that effect on people. He won't hurt my family, will he? You're so different from him. How did you get mixed up with him? We were in the same halfway house together in Wisconsin. And one day, we just decided we were going to boost a car and head out west. <laughs> you know, like Butch and Sundance. We've been partying ever since. Been drinking beer, popping pills, snorting ice. Butch and Sundance died, you know. Robert wants to die. Do you? If it's in the cards. It doesn't have to be. Please. Will you help us? Please, if you help us, then maybe we can help you. Maybe. Please. I gotta get my head straight. 
I'll try. You're pretty. Could you please just drive a little faster? Please. So Jeff and Kathy, they get back to the motel, they come into the hotel room, Kathy immediately goes to Paul because she sees his fingers are bandaged, and she's like, oh my gosh, what did he do to you? And Paul says, don't worry about it, it's just a cut, it's not a big deal. And because as she's kind of came through the door, she just handed off the cash that she was holding, which is pretty much now they have no money in the bank, they have nothing. She hands it to Robert, and then she goes over to Paul. And now Jeff's going on, like, oh my gosh, you should have seen it, man. We were just like Bonnie and Clyde. It's like, he is so, oh, he's so delusional in his fantasy world. He is just cannot comprehend reality, this guy. But he's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and Robert's busy counting the money, and Jeff's counting supposedly his share, and saying, like, we held hands, man. It was just really great. It's like, he's just a stupid, stupid kid. And Paul asks, you know, now that they got their money, it's like, you have your money. Can you please let us go? And, of course, Robert's busy counting, like, shut up, I'm counting. Jeff is just going, like, oh my gosh, Robert, this is more money than we've ever had, ever. So, Jeff, like any young guy, is like, oh, I'm hungry, I'm gonna get some food. And then he looks at Kathy, and Paul's like, oh, do you want something? Well, clearly, they're probably gonna need more diapers for the baby, or maybe some band-aids or something for you know paul's hand he says oh do you want something you know for your baby maybe and paul is just he's had enough it's like let us go you have your money what the hell do you still what are you hanging on to us for well kathy tells jeff i'm running low on disposable diapers so like he's gonna even know what kind to get there's like a hundred million different i mean Maybe not nearly as many as there probably are now if you've ever... I went through a diaper session, but I've never, like, sat and, like, wow, there's, like, a billion different types. <laughs> so, and she's also trying to keep Paul calm, probably thinking, honey, yelling at them is just going to end up getting us killed. Do not lose your temper. I know that he's pissed off. He's probably thinking, look, we did exactly what you asked. We got you the money. You said you would let us go or tie us up and you would leave. Hugh. Hi, sweetie. What's he? What's he done to you? Oh, it's nothing. It's just a cut. It's nothing. Are you okay? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Hey, we were just like Bonnie and Clyde. We held hands, man. Okay, look, you have your money now. Will you let us go? It's more money than we ever had. Hey, Robert. Well, I'm trying to count here. I'm hungry. I'm going to get some food. Do you want something? For your, for your baby, maybe? Let us go! I'm, uh, I'm like running low on disposable diapers. Okay. Okay, so Rudy is outside washing his car, and he overhears on the radio the police are looking for a couple suspects that kidnapped an elderly couple earlier in the week. So now they got the little TV on playing the news, so definitely the guys... The police are clearly looking for them. I mean, I don't know if everything's showing up there. Uh, 
because Robert is sitting right in front of the TV, and the newscaster, the woman says, you know, it's clearly, they're looking for people in their 20s. So yeah, they're going based on the descriptions, and how they describe Robert as tall, long dark hair, possibly Native American descent. Well, we don't know. So again, Robert is looking through the curtains out of the motel room. Jeff asks Robert, well, what are we going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, what are we going to do? And Robert says, we're getting out of here and they're coming with us. And I'd be like, wait, wait a minute, you said you would let us go. And even Paul's like, not with it, like, no, you said you'd let us go. And Robert tells him, well, the situation has changed now. It calls for a different strategy. Now we're taking hostages. They already did take hostages. So he's untying... Robert's untying Paul's um, ropes or whatever, binding his hands, his wrists in front of him. And Paul even sacrifices himself, like, then take me and let Kathy and Katie go. And Robert just, like, slaps him across the face. So Kathy looks at Jeff and just disbelief. Like, you promised. You said you would help us. And Jeff is no help. He ain't gonna help her. You think you're gonna sit there and play one person against the other just because he's young? No. He pretty much is listening to whatever Robert tells him to do. So unless you're Robert, he's not gonna hear ya. He's not gonna listen to ya. He's not really gonna be sympathetic either. In other news, Nevada police are asking Oregon authorities for their help in their search for two suspects wanted in connection with a terrifying kidnapping earlier this week involving an elderly couple driving through the state on vacation. Authorities are stepping up their search for two men in their early 20s, one of fair coloring and medium height, the other tall, dark, possibly of Native American descent. What are we going to do? Getting out of here and they're coming with us. No, you said you'd let us go. Yeah, well, now the situation calls for a different strategy. We need hostages. And you take me and you let Kathy and Katie go. No. You promised. <laughs> so, Jeff's driving and he asks Robert, where are we going, Robert? Where are we going? And Robert tells him, North, we're going to Canada. Of course they're going to Canada. They want to get out of the U.S., so, Rudy goes to the hotel, or motel, and he he walks into the lobby area, and he's ringing the bell and asking for Paul or Kathy. Kathy, Paul, anyone home? No, they're not there. So, now, I don't know where exactly they are. It looks like they're still along the coastline, but they're parked on, like, a beach-type setting. And Robert says, we've been awake for eight days. Because... Yeah, Paul's asking, like, don't you ever sleep? Like, that guy's riding high on cocaine fumes, so, no, he ain't sleeping. So, yeah, not only with the drugs that they're doing, they're also knocking back constant amounts of beer, so Jeff's really driving drunk. Robert's sitting next to Kathy in the back, who's got Katie on her lap, who's crying again, and... Kathy asks Robert, like, well, can I please feed my husband? And Robert says, can you shut your kid up? So, Kathy goes to give 
you know, Paul a sand, half of a sandwich, and he's like, no, I don't want that. So, well, he can't exactly eat it himself because his hands are tied in front of him. So she asks, like, hey, look, can I please take Katie out? She needs air. She's been cooped up in this van. She's tired. She's just let me get her some air. So I think that, yeah, Jeff is going to go with her. Yeah, Jeff says, oh, I'll go with her. And Robert tells her, yeah, I'll stay here and play with her husband. Like, you already injured his hand, man. What more are you going to do to him? I mean, I mean, even just thinking, I mean, this is a TV movie. There's only so much they can tell and show on television, whether it's 1991 or 2022. So, and there are probably things that they probably didn't even want to, you know, ad admit everything that probably happened that we don't even know about, which, you know, it, it's, it's embarrassing and just things that they don't want to ever have to relive. So we see Katie, you know, wandering along, you know, the sand and everything in front of the water. And Jeff says, kids are different. And Kathy asks him, well, different from what? And Robert said, not Robert, I'm sorry, Jeff. Jeff says, you know, from us, like, dude, don't compare yourself to her or any adults. And Jeff says, oh, we're all screwed up. You know, when you're a kid, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. Like, dude, he's like, he's trying to rationalize why he is the way he is or his behavior or something. Okay, so, yeah, he says, oh, it's like when you're a kid, you're going to live forever, right? And Kathy just kind of looks at him like, dude, I don't know where you're coming from. It's almost like he's trying to, uh, make up excuses for his action or whatever and that's right she doesn't know his first name is Jeff because she's only heard Robert call him Frost and he says his name is Jeff so it's like whether maybe she feels like trying to build something personal here to try to get you know him on her side and that way in a way by knowing his name she can form more of a personal kind of in a, in a way to try to help, I guess, to help Kathy and probably help him escape. So she asked Jeff how old he is. He says he's 22. That's, I, I, I thought 19, 20, or early 20s, clearly. So Jeff's, Jeff looks over at Katie and says, oh, she's nice. Were you planning on having more kids? And the way that she looks at him is just... Almost like, in in her mind, she's almost like trying to wonder, like, what is he getting at? Like, I ain't having kids with you, that's for fucking sure. And she says, I'd like to have a little boy someday. Jeff, oh, he is such a, too much of an immature child. He says, oh no, boys are bad. I'd like to have a little girl someday. Dude. And she says, sure. Why not? And I'm just thinking, it's almost like she's kind of thinking, like, this guy's still young. He's 22. He can turn his life around. Like, it doesn't have to be this way. So Robert honks the horn and says, let's go. Come on. It's like we're wasting. We don't, we can't be staying in one place too long. So Jeff stands up and he kind of pats K 
Kathy on the shoulder. Of course, he's still holding the gun and everything, too. So it's just like, ugh. And Kathy, honestly, she has a good heart. She cares about people and everything like that. I don't know why she doesn't see Jeff as someone that, you know, you don't gotta go down, continue down the road that you're going, because you're clearly, you're gonna hit a dead end eventually. And maybe she's just trying to sympathize in a way that maybe he could, you know, she's, you know, listening to him and everything like that, and just trying to, like, I listen to him and offer you know, support and advice and whatnot, then maybe he will help me in return. I don't know. I'm just, I'm guessing. I don't know. Did you guys ever sleep? Been awake eight days. Did you ever shut up? Could I please feed my husband? You shut your kid up? Here, sweetie. No. Look, what, can I just take her outside for a walk? She needs air. I'll, I'll go with her. All right, I'll stay and play with the husband. Kids are different, aren't they? From what? From us? We're all screwed up. When you're a kid, nothing makes sense, you know? It doesn't matter. It's like, you're gonna live forever when you're a kid, you know? What's your first name? Jeff. How old are you, Jeff? 22. She's nice. Were you planning on having more kids? I'd like to have a little boy someday. No, no. Boys are bad. I, I'd like a little girl. Sure. the van and Robert's sitting in the back and Jeff says oh I'm going to sit in the back with her you can drive and Robert's just kind of okay I don't know what your game is man so back at the Yahats motel Rudy calls the cop the police someone to come out because Paul and Kathy are not there which is weird because they just opened this motel where they wouldn't just not be there especially if they had guests so, yeah, it's like, um, I need to <laughs> So, Rudy tells the sheriff, like, now this may be nothing, but if you're running a motel, you're not just going to take off. And you're not going to leave your no vacancy sign on if you don't have any guests. Like, something is off. So, the sheriff asked Rudy to kind of show him around. I'm thinking, yeah, you go upstairs to their little 
uh, studio apartment area, and you'll see it is completely trashed. Clothes all over the floor, you, all that stuff. Like, clearly something happened here. Oh, yeah, Robert's driving. I don't know whether Paul is, like, falling asleep or fighting to stay awake in the passenger seat. And Jeff, who's sitting next to Kathy in the back there, she notices he keeps, like, moving his neck around and everything, and she says, well, you need more sleep. He says, well, my neck hurts all the time. I'm like, well, you're probably extremely tense with everything, whatever. So, she starts, she puts her, her hands kind of at the, you know, on either side of Jeff's neck. I don't know whether she's trying to help loosen up his shoulders or whatever. And, of course, Paul, who's, you know, sitting sideways, of course, you know, that he's going to look and be looking at his wife. Like, what are you doing? Oh, he's not, oh, no, I, okay, so Paul must have fallen asleep or something, because he doesn't notice, but Robert notices when he looks in the rearview mirror, and he starts jerking the van around to the point where Paul wakes up. And Kathy asks Jeff, like, is that alright? Are you feeling a little better? He's like, oh, yeah, that, that feels good. So, yeah. So she sees Paul kind of turning and looking at her, and she immediately puts her hands down, and Jeff's like, no, no, don't stop, just keep... So she puts her... And he... I don't know whether he's, like, looking at her, like, kind of, what are you doing? Kind of thing, or whether he's looking at Jeff, like, I want to kill you. Kind of... You can tell that Paul clearly does. Paul's thinking, like, oh, I don't want you having sympathy for these guys now. I mean, what what's going on here with that? Okay, so it looks like from the road sign, they've left Oregon. They're now in Washington. Okay, well, now there's a cop with their... Unless that's what they're doing, they're going to be pulling them over. I, you know, it's been a bit since I watched... I don't think they're pulling them over, no. So, Robert sees it's the cops... He gets his gun out and says, all right, Jeff, get ready. It's the cops. And Jeff kind of grabs onto Kathy and has a gun kind of, you know, pointed in her back. Just as a, so, but no, it turns out that the cop is actually just passing their vehicle by. Like they must be on their way to another emergency. It's going to be hard for Paul to say, hey, are you, maybe he was hoping like, hey, if we get stopped by the cops, you know, there could be a shootout. Uh, or, or maybe he's like, this could have been our chance to be rescued, and now the cop is just, he looks so sad and defeated, like, shit, when will this nightmare end? And Paul is like, why don't you just give yourselves up instead of getting us all shot? Because now Robert is like, well, no, now we have to find a place to lay, to, lay low for a while. Like, oh my gosh. Robert says, I'm not going to end up in jail like Geronimo. Uh, what? What are these damn references? Bonnie and Clyde, Geronimo, Butch and Sundance, Butch Cassidy and Sundance. I got it. This came out in 1991. I'm guessing it actually the whole thing, like the event of this happening, actually took place. I believe from an article I read in 1988, this whole thing happened. Of course, now it's nighttime. They've probably been driving for hours. Katie is probably tired of being in that car seat. 
and she just starts crying again. Of course, this is going to just irritate Robert. Anytime that this baby is crying, he is just like, Ugh. it's like he se it sends him into to moments of rage. Like it just really aggravates him. This guy, I mean, he's hopped up on drugs. His mind's going 100 miles an hour. He can't focus on anything. Any little noise aggravation is is gonna set him off, and that's not a good combination when you have you're holding a loaded gun. Okay, so we got Jeff driving. Now Robert is in the back, sitting next to Kathy. He leans over Kathy and screams in Katie's face, "Shut up! Just shut up!" Oh my gosh! I thought they were pulling over somewhere for the night. What the? Because. Why does he think he's going to get any sleep? He says, I haven't slept in eight days. You think you're getting sleep now? Yeah, and even Kathy's like, will you please not yell at her, please? And Robert's just, you shut up, and you shut up. Ah, she fight. He, pull he pulls out his gun and says, either you shut this kid up, or I will shut this child up permanently. And Paul says, in the calmest voice, he says, will you put the gun away? You're scaring her. He's not screaming. He kind of figures, like, if I scream at him, he's going to shoot one of us or all three of us. Robert leans over Kathy and puts a hand over Katie's mouth like he's trying to suffocate her. And Paul can't really do anything from the passenger seat. And Kathy's trying to grab at Robert, like, grab his hand off of Katie's mouth. Like, oof. Long story short. Robert has Jeff pull the car over because he's physically assaulting uh, Kathy and he has Jeff pull the car over. Robert takes her into the the back, like the back back of the van and basically rapes her. And poor, I mean, Paul can't do anything. Katie's like screaming, crying. And Jeff goes and takes the children's songs tape with the London Bridge is falling down so that's what's playing while he's it just I can't even imagine this man can't do anything to save his wife or child because he's he's you know his hands are t literally tied he can't do anything I mean can you imagine someone has you and your spouse held hostage. They have guns. They basically could kill you whenever they want. And one of the men that take you hostage decides to rape your spouse. Like, literally in front of you. You're, you're bound. Your hands are tight. You can't do anything. You're powerless. You can't comfort your wife or spouse. You can't do anything. I just I can't imagine what these two went through. So yeah, it looks like Katie has finally stopped crying because that music is playing. It's something that she's familiar with hearing. So Jeff checked them into it's the Eagle's Nest Motel. And Robert is just standing there. It's nighttime now. This Eagle's Nest Motel is silent. So I don't know whether maybe he does have Native American descent in him. I don't know. But he's staring just wide-eyed at this sign. Robert is. 
So Paul and Kathy are alone in the van, and he tells her, "You are the best thing that's ever happened to me." And oh, poor Kathy, I just oh my gosh, my heart breaks for her as she says, "And you me." So now Paul, of course, has regrets. He says, "I never should have gone to that damn meeting. I never should have." It's so but even, I think at some point here, he does say, I knew from the moment I saw those two, like, there's something enough about them. Something just didn't seem right. And Kathy says, you you couldn't have known. And he says, no, I, I didn't like the looks of them when I when they checked in. I, I, I never should have left you alone with them. And I'm just thinking, it's like, what could they have done? Those men had guns. They have guns. What could they have done? And Kathy is just theorizing, you know, Paul, we're gonna we're gonna make it through this. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. We're gonna give them whatever they want. Sometimes it's, it's, they even say when you're like if you're held up at gunpoint, you don't question the robber, you don't try to reason with them they clearly want money they want to get in they want to get out you give them exactly what they want and then hopefully they leave without you being injured it's like the people that try to like reason or overtake or overpower a robber it's just i don't know i know they say in instances that you shouldn't try to be a hero he repeats, do whatever they want, whatever it takes for the three of us to get out of here alive. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And you, me. Never have gone to that damn meeting. You couldn't know. Oh, I didn't like the looks of them when they checked in. I should never have left you alone with them. We're gonna make it through this, Paul. We're gonna stay calm. Do whatever they want. Do whatever they want. Whatever it takes for the three of us to get out of this alive. So Robert's still looking out the window. It's like, if you were that worried about someone seeing you, why do you have the shades all the way open? So he tells Jeff, hey, go get me some beer. And Jeff tells Robert, yeah, later. Yeah, I think this is where Robert pulls a gun on Jeff. So, yeah, he pretty much, like, pulls Jeff's head back and shoves a gun right into his neck. And Jeff says, all right, all right, take it easy. I'll go, all right? You want some food? And Robert says, no, I'm fasting. I had to get purified. I don't know what the... What is going on with this man? All these drugs that he's taken. I don't know what's going on, but. I, I, 
So clearly, yeah, if this guy isn't eating, which I thought, like, that was a, well, the only thing I can really think of is the movie Basketball Diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio playing Jim Carroll and how, you know, with what he was taking, he didn't really have an appetite for food. So I, I don't know if that's like a condition or something. If you're taking all that stuff, like you end up losing your appetite and you don't have one. Maybe, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's Robert's, uh, something about, uh, his beliefs and stuff and fasting and being purified and all that stuff. I don't know. So Jeff asked Kathy if she wants any food. Like, how the baby, does the baby need any food? And Robert's like, we get the hell out of here. Thank you. And then as soon as Jeff leaves, he turns the TV off. So it just, it seems like Jeff is more, well, he's definitely not unpredictable like what Robert, Robert is just completely unpredictable. Like there's no telling which way the wind is going to blow with him. Okay, so Robert's got like a bunch of tattoos. One in particular is like an eagle that clearly looks like it's drawn on with a fine point pen you know image you know uh, across his chest there and he did because he takes his shirt off and he asks what's called her Joanna Kearns um he asks Kathy to come over and touch his chest and she does just it, it's just it's creepy and just I don't want it just just Oh, yeah, as soon as he took his shirt, she's only probably imagining, like, what is he going to make me do now? Or what is he going to do to me now? Oh, so, he, I think, because I don't have the subtitles on. Apparently, they're not available on YouTube. He says, what's this motel called? And she says, I don't know. And he says, Eagle's Nest. Okay. Like, dude, where are you going with this? What the hell is this guy even talking about? Oh my gosh, this guy's in. Uh, oh, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. So he's looking at her and asks her, What are you staring at? What are you staring at? And she says, Nothing. And then she's, Your hair. And he's like, What's the matter with my hair? She says, It's too long and scraggly. It needs to be cut. So he basically has her cut his hair, which doesn't, doesn't, it's not like she cuts it short. It doesn't even look like it's been cut. Well, I'm just trying to figure out what Kathy is, is doing here, saying, you know, you could be more handsome if you paid more attention. So, it's... what? It, what's this? It's Stockholm Sit... No, it's not that. It's not that. It's something where... She's trying to just play into their hands however she can to keep her and her husband and her child alive. And she even said, like, we do whatever they want us to do. Anything to keep us alive. That we get out of here in one piece. That we get out of here alive. Oh, yeah, like I said, he asked her to cut his hair. And she asked, well, what with? He says, I have scissors in my bag. She goes over to his bag. They're sewing scissors. What the hell are you going to cut with that shit? Not a damn thing. Stuff's meant for cutting thread, not hair. I mean, I'm not saying you can't cut hair with it, but it's going to take a while. He's pulling out his knife. Ah, oh, she sees his knife there. He's watching her every move in the mirror, so it's not like he wouldn't be able to see her pulling that knife out. I mean, it's not like he doesn't probably have a gun on him. Okay, so 
he's sitting down in front of the mirror. She's standing behind him. And she's asking him questions as far as, oh, the eagle's important to you. Did you grow up on a reservation? And he's like, what's with all the questions? I don't want to talk about this. I mean, what is she honestly hoping to kind of gain by getting answers from him? I mean, he's the unpredictable one. He's the unstable one. And yeah, he's like, just cut my hair. And she says, well, I, I just see that it's important to you. I was just curious. I was like, what? I don't know, what, is she trying to gain favor here, or, I mean, she's obviously just trying to protect herself, and her, her husband and baby. So I don't, I'm not going to sit here and criticize, you know, her, her actions, or her, or make judgments here, because I've never, I don't want to be in a situation like that. I don't know anyone that ever would want to be. You know, basically, that's a life or death situation there. And in Robert's backstory here about how he was playing in the yard, doesn't say how old he was, probably, who knows, four or five years old. So his mother ended up shooting his father. He died, of course, and the cops came and took her away, and he never saw his mother again. So she probably could have ended up in a psych ward for all we know. So what is, then my guess is either he went to live with relatives or if there were no relatives then Robert probably went right into the system as far as group homes, foster homes, any, you know, tossed around until he probably got out and took off and basically just been a life of crime and, you know, drugs ever since. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm guessing. I don't know. So, she asked how old he was. He says, I was a little boy. Well, he was probably four or five, six, seven, I don't know. And she says, oh, you had a terrible childhood. And he says, it doesn't matter anymore. We're all gonna die. Oh my god. This, because even Jeff said, oh, Robert wants to die. Well, he's probably psychologically got so many things going on. That he's been trying to cope with that with, you know, drugs and, and alcohol and everything like that. And, you know, probably theft and crimes landed him, you know, in a halfway house or in jail or whatever. And and Kathy pleads with them saying, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, we can help you. We can help you. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, 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 I just remembered. Because she says, we can give you a job at the motel. Like I said, she's doing whatever she can to survive. She's promising him a job that he's probably going to take seriously later. Like, oh, you said I can get a job here. Looks at Paul like, yeah, we could get you a job at the motel, couldn't we, Paul? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we could always use some extra help. And Kathy says, you'd have to give yourself up, yourself up though. And... Robert says, oh, they put me in jail. It's like, the way he's, like, acting like, like a, a little bit, oh, they put me in jail. And Paul's like, oh, no, no, no. We would tell them that you just, you didn't hurt us at all. Like, yeah, but he still kidnapped you and a shit ton of other people that he kidnapped and left for dead or whatever. And whatever spell or whatever Robert was under has now been broken because here comes Jeff with food and whatever else go get us some beer yeah later
it easy, man. Take it easy! No. I'll go. I'll go. What do you... Do you want some food? Huh? No. I'm fasting. I gotta get purified. <clears throat> Do you want some food? No. How about the baby? What are you, nurse, man? Get the hell out of here. What's this motel called? I didn't notice. Eagle's Nest. I was supposed to be here. Something is going to happen here. What are you staring at? Nothing. What are you staring at? Your hair. What's the matter with my hair? Too long. Scraggly. What do you know about my hair? I know you could be handsome if you... if you paid more attention. Cut my hair for me. What with? Scissors. important to you? It's sacred. Did you go 
grew up on a reservation. Why, why, why do you care about this? Just shut up and cut my hair. I don't want to talk about this. I just know that it's important to you, and I... on Kathy and he thinks in his mind that it's mutual because he comes in sees Robert putting his shirt back on and Kathy's standing right behind Robert and Jeff asks what's this what's going on beauty parlor and Kathy says no we were just discussing you two giving yourselves up Kathy says Paul and I will help you and Jeff pretty much thinks like that's out of the question. Like, no way. I'm not going back to prison. Jeff turns on Robert and asks, what's with you, Robert? What's going on? So Robert slams his hand down on the desk, stands up and says, all right, enough of this. So it's like, he, he, I don't know, is he to the point where now he actually is going to kill somebody? Yeah, he pretty much says, that's it. You're all dead. You're dead. The kid's dead. And you're dead. Oh, Jesus. So, Kathy picks up Katie and goes into the bathroom with her. Doesn't close the door or anything. So, Jeff figures, like, Robert's had his whatever with Catherine. Now, Jeff being jealous of whatever's going on with Kathy and Robert while he wasn't here. Well, it's like, no, 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 no. 
that's not gonna happen because he's just too Jeff is so delusional he just he thinks like he's got a crush on Kathy he's secretly in love with her I don't know he's got this Bonnie and Clyde mentality thing going on like she's the Bonnie to his Clyde or whatever so he you know Kathy is just holding on to Katie who luckily isn't crying and Jeff takes Katie from Kathy and says oh you go over there and then he stands in the hovering over Kathy as he asks her, Oh, I thought you didn't like Robert. Like, what in the She doesn't like either of you. She's not into either of you. <sighs> he takes Katie and says, Oh, I need to talk to your mommy alone. You go play with your toys. <laughs> and of course, Paul is right there on the bed, like seeing this go down. Yeah, Jeff stands over Kathy and says, I thought you didn't like Robert. And she says, I'm terrified of him. It's like, yeah, she's terrified of both of you. He says he, he's going to murder us all. And Jeff's, oh, don't worry about that. Because she's sitting in between where the toilet is and, yeah, the space between the toilet and the bathtub. And he sits, Jeff sits on the side of the tub and says, oh, don't worry about that. That's just how he talks sometimes. So yeah, he ends up pulling her hair back from her face, kissing her neck, and she's like, no, Jeff, please don't do this. And if he ain't going to know for an answer, of course he's not. It's like, this is happening. And poor Paul is just, poor Paul, poor Kathy. Kathy going through this, Paul having to see this. Well, at least for a short while until Jeff shuts the bathroom door. So you could still... Oh my gosh. What's this? Beauty parlor? No, we were, we were just discussing you giving yourselves up. Paul and I will help you. No way. I'm not going back to prison. What's the matter with you, Robert? That's it, you're all dead. You're dead, your kid's dead, and you're dead. You didn't like Robert. I'm terrified of him. He's gonna murder us all. Oh, don't worry. It's just how he talks sometimes. Whatever Robert's been on, he is slowly coming down from that. This high that he's been on the whole time. 
He says, I don't man, I'm coming down from the, and I just, I feel like we gotta lighten our load and kill everybody. And Jeff's like, no, look, she helped us, okay? Claire doesn't give a shit about Paul. Jeff says you can't kill a baby man. And of course, Robert says, well, what's the difference? We're all dead anyway. You know, the cops are out there. Jeff goes over to the window and says, dude, there's no one out there. The cops aren't. They're not out there. And Jeff is even telling Robert, like, you gotta lay off this shit, man. It is really destroying you. It's making you paranoid. And Paul looks over at them and says, leave Katie and Kathy here. Take me with you. It's like, leave them. Let them go. Robert just, because he's leaning against the side of the bed and he looks over at Paul and says, why don't you shut up? No one's talking to you. Yeah, Jeff is the one who uh, suggests what we should do is get rid of him. Yeah, we should get rid of Paul, you know, or him. He's a nuisance. And, of course, Robert's got that long-ass knife that he is strapped to his ankle that he just yanks out, like... And Jeff says, no, no, not here, like, in the mountains somewhere. Like, you're not gonna kill him here. Still got that bag of cocaine, just the Ziploc bag. Thank goodness that baby didn't get into it. According to the article that I read, that the baby's not two years old. The baby's like 18 months. I mean, that's almost. That's almost two years. I feel sick, man. I'm coming down real hard, and I'm thinking that we gotta lighten our load and just and kill everybody. But no, no, forget it. She helped us. You can't kill a baby, man. What's the difference? It's all the same. We're all dead. Cops are out there right now. We're gonna die anyway. There's no one out there. Robert, pull yourself together, man. This stuff is eating you up. Leave Kathy and Katie here. Take me with you. Why don't you shut up? Nobody's talking to you. What we should do is get rid of him. He's the nuisance. mountain somewhere okay so Jeff's driving Robert's in the back with Kathy and Katie and Robert has Jeff stopped the van so I guess they're just gonna unload Paul right there hands binded probably feet bind I can't remember whether his feet are binded or not and just they just wrap him off say here you go bend for yourself so Kathy, you know, kisses Paul's face and he says, just remember that I love you, please. Because he thinks he's going to be killed. I mean, Kathy is pleading with Jeff, like, Jeff, please don't kill my husband. What is the deal? It's like he takes, Robert takes Paul out and they're in front of the car with the, the headlights, or in front of the van with the headlights on. And it's not like Paul's going to be able to fight back. His hands are bound in front of him. So, Robert's, like, smacking him across the face or something like that. So, and the fact that, yeah, Robert takes his knife out and he's, like, moving it up and down. And you just see Paul bracing for, like, he knows he's, like, gonna get stabbed in the stomach or whatever. 
And the way that Robert, we don't see it. We just see him kind of look like he's going to plunge a knife into Paul's stomach. And just like, oof. And, and it turns out, and like, no, he pretty much just uh, freed Paul's hand so he's not bound anymore. But then he, they get, you know, Robert and Jeff get back in the van and just take off with Kathy and Katie. Robert hands Jeff the gun and says, here, you can do the honors and shoot him. And then you can comfort his grieving widow uh, along as we continue on our way. Like, but yeah, he's like, he's like, shoot him, Jeff, shoot him, Jeff. And Jeff, this kid can't kill anybody. He can't, a 22-year-old kid can't kill anyone. So that gives Paul time to dash into the woods. Robert grabs the gun from Jeff and just starts shooting. He doesn't start shooting, he just says, ah, oh, damn it, he's gone. And the whole time this has been going happening, Kathy is in the car just pleading, like, please don't kill my husband, please don't kill my husband. Jeff gets into the back with Kathy, she takes his hand and says, thank you, thank you. Jeff tells Robert, look, he's not going to make it, or we're a million miles from anywhere. Not the, the road, the, not the road, but the side of the road in the field whatever that is the ground is just covered in snow so robert who's driving the van there's never it doesn't seem like there's ever another vehicle on the road when this van's on the road and it's like oh look the bastard freeze to death it's whatever um and jeff oh my gosh this kid is so delusional he says we could be something oh my gosh Ed. So, Paul makes it to a road and just starts, it's, I don't know how cold it is, but it's probably very, very cold. Because he's trying to run and also, you know, cross his, his arms crossed over his chest and just hopefully he does find somebody, a person, and reports what what's going on. So, it looks like... They're at another motel. There's two beds there. Jeff's on one bed and Kathy is curled up on the other. And Robert comes out of the bathroom. He says the most disgusting, weirdest thing. He says, oh, you're nervous about your wedding night? What the? She just kind of looks up at him like, what is this weird delusion that you're gotten planted in your head okay so paul's been walking all night it's now morning time he finds this metal trailer and he knocks on the door and this guy of course opens the door with a shotgun like what the hell do you want and paul is just gasping for breath like please i've been walking all night my wife and baby have been kidnapped. And then now he does look like, you know, he's been picked up by the sheriff. So, and they are reporting on what happened, you know, missing wife and baby with two convicted felons that are on the run. Yeah, we're back at the hotel and it looks like police have gotten to the news because they announced exactly what, you know, van Robert and Jeff are driving. So now the police are on the lookout for that van. The newscaster says they're armed and dangerous. They are wanted with probably other connections to other crimes and everything like that. Saying that they kidnapped a woman and her baby. We're still at that Eagle's Nest Motel because, yeah, as soon as 
you know, he hears the broadcast, he turns off the television and says, I know we should have kept driving. Because now we go back to Paul and this cop, and the cops have spotted the van at the Eagle's Nest Motel. Yep. They're on their trail now. Paul tells the cop, that's it, that's where they were holding us at the Eagle's Nest Motel. So, who's ever watching that motel sees the activity coming, you know, Robert takes Katie and... Kathy and Jeff also come out of the motel. They're heading towards the van. Paul tells the cop, that's my wife and baby. Please tell them not to shoot. Because if they start shooting at Jeff and Robert, then Robert and Jeff are going to fire. Someone's going to get killed. Hey, is anybody in there? Hey! Who the hell are you? Oh, help me. Help me. Please, help me. Oh, no. Get out of here! Look, please. I've been, I've been walking all night. My wife and baby have been kidnapped. You've got to help me, please. This is Pierce County Car 6. I'm bringing Mr. Plunk into the Morton substation now. Police are looking for two men in their early 20s driving a 1988 blue Ford van. The men are armed and dangerous and are believed to be holding a woman and child hostage. These men may also be wanted in connection with a number of other alleged... We should have kept driving. Let's go. We're out of here. Pierce County, car six. Do you copy? This is car six. Go ahead. We've spotted a Ford van, Arizona plate, November, Romeo, Oscar 584, parked outside the Eagle's Nest Motel. That's it. They were back. That's where they were holding us. We're on our way. Let's go. All right, I'll take you, kid. Sheriff, this is Clark. We got us some activity here. Two adult males matching the description of the suspects are moving towards the van. They're accompanied by a woman and a small child. Please advise. Tell them not to shoot. That's my wife and baby. Come on, tell them, tell them. This is car six approaching Morton. Mr. Plunk is concerned about the safety of his wife and child. You know, would you tell them not to shoot? Sheriff, the van is pulling out. We're heading north on Highway 12. Keep them in sight, Clark. The FBI's in on this now. Do not repeat. Do not close in until backup units get into position. We're on them now, Sheriff. Of course, the FBI is in on this now, and they're just... Paul is very concerned. He doesn't want anything to happen to his wife and baby. And even the cops figure, like, oh, we kind of rushed in too soon because now they're they're off and Robert has Jeff park in this little uh, you know forest parking area it's just a dirt road and Robert who had been sitting in the backpack by the back door of the van jumps out and just takes off running so Jeff thinks, oh, we gotta sit tight because Robert always has a plan. He'll figure out what to do. It's like this kid does not have an original thought in his head. Unless it's something that... Oh, gosh. Yeah, and Jeff's all like, what's Robert doing? What's he doing? Why'd he run? And Kathy says, he's abandoning you, Jeff. See? I told you this would happen. (laughs) And Jeff's all like, no, no. Robert's got a plan. He'll, He'll come back. He'll tell us what to do. Come on. 
Of course, the cops that are scoping out that, you know, they see the vans there, it's like, but we can't see anything else. They're requesting permission to just go in on foot. It's like, no, 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 you gotta sit tight until backup arrives. Like, the last thing they need to do is spook the individuals and their hostages, Kathy and Katie, get shot. We don't want that to happen. Oh, Kathy sees the keys in the ignition and just kind of plays the only card she's got left and just thinking like maybe you should go after Robert because I don't think he's coming back. He's even looking at Kitty asking well, what, what should we do what should we do and she says give yourselves up and Jeff says no I'm not going back to prison. Jeff suggests that he and Kathy Go into the woods and get Robert. And Kathy says, no, I, I can't take Katie into the woods. I can't do that. She convinces Jeff, like, you go, you go into the woods before someone gets hurt. You go before they get here. Okay, I'll go find Robert and I'll go bring him back. Like, okay, okay, just go, go, go. She says, go, 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 go. So, yeah, this is her one shot to get the hell out of there because he left the keys in the van in the ignition. Robert's got a plan. He's got a plan. Sheriff, we can't see a thing. Request permission to go in on foot. Negative clock. Hold for backup. <laughs> Jeff, he is not coming back. Can't you see that? He's not. What should we do? What, what, what should we do? Give yourself up. It's the only way. No! I told you! I am not going back to prison! Come on, come with me, all right? We'll, we'll go into the woods and we'll get Robert. Robert is really good in the woods. He, he'll get us out of this. No, uh, no, I, no, I can't take Katie into the woods. I can't. Quick, you go. You go before the police get here and somebody gets hurt, okay? Okay, okay. You, you, I, I'll go find Robert and, and I'll bring him back, okay? Okay. As soon as Jeff is out of sight, Kathy jumps into the driver's seat, starts the car. I was like, come on, because isn't that always the case? You're trying to get away, you turn the ignition, the keys just... So we see Robert's like hiding behind a big 
tree or something and some foliage. And Jeff comes down and is like, Robert, Robert, where are you at? And Robert's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be with the lady and the kid. And Robert, <laughs> Jeff tells him, oh, well, no, I told her. I promised her I'd come and get you and take you back. And then from where they're at, they can hear the van starting up. Yeah. Jeff says, oh, I promised her I'd bring you back. What are you doing? And Robert tells Jeff, oh, I'm going to ambush the cops. I'm sure you are. Uh-huh. But yeah, he can hear the van starting up. <clears throat> and Robert comes out from his hiding places. You left the keys with her, you idiot. I'm almost thinking that if they'd have just gone on foot, I don't know how far they would have gotten, but they probably could have gotten help somewhere. I don't know. Well, you can get farther in a vehicle as long as it runs. What if, I would have given up. It's like the van is not turning over. Because here comes Robert charging up the path. Shit. He hightails it in reverse and the back of the, the trunk thing of the van is still... That hatch is still up. Like, oh, shit. So, he fires a shot at the van, Robert does. And here comes old Jeff, like, what's going on? Where's she going? You fucking idiot. Robert, like, kicks Jeff in the ass and turns around and starts walking back towards the woods. And Jeff's like, oh, where's she going? To get away from you, you nut. So, yeah, the police are now still in pursuit of this van. They have no idea that Robert and Jeff are not in the van anymore. There's just Kathy and Katie. Because Kathy is just driving erratic like a bat out of hell, just trying to get as far away as possible. So, Kathy pulls off to a payphone to call the police, somebody, to get help. Because she tells Katie to stay in the car. Where is this kid going to go? So, two cop cars come, a cop car, and then, of course, Paul is in that, uh, ranger SUV thing, and they're like, oh, ma'am, stay away from the vehicle, and she's screaming, like, my baby's in there, don't shoot, don't shoot. Paul jumps out of the car and runs over to Kathy, like, don't shoot, that's my wife, that's my wife. Paul and Kathy have been reunited. Katie's crying, of course. She's scared to death. Poor little girl. The whole family's been through such an ordeal. supposed to be watching the woman and the kid. I promised her I would bring you back. What are you doing? I'm gonna ambush the cops from here. You left the keys with her, you idiot? Okay? 
of the woods Robert and Jeff are not there so now we go upon this house and this tow truck driver coming home and yeah I think yeah this is where Robert and Jeff take another couple of people hostage no this is just a tow truck driver going to a residence and knocking on the door because yeah, Robert comes up behind him, takes him hostage. Jeff's already in the house with the, this lady taking her hostage. Alright, so Kathy and Paul are at the police station. And, of course, there's a printout of Robert Frost. Uh, I, I don't know why the hell I keep calling him Robert Frost. Robert not. And Paul says, yeah, that's him. That's the bastard. I personally want to fucking kill this guy for what he did to us. So, there's a lady detective that comes in, and she asks if there's anything I can do for you, and then she does tell Kathy that she and Katie will have to come with her to the hospital for an examination. They've been through so much already, and just now they gotta go, she's gotta go through an exam, which I understand they want to do tests, make sure that since she has been sexually, and physically and sexually assaulted, that... You know, because Robert was doing drugs, we don't know if he has, you know, HIV or any other type of a disease going on. So they just want to rule that out. And I love how, you know, Paul and she were just reunited and he leans across the table and takes her hand. And she's like, oh my gosh, my heart. This is, this is an ordeal. Well, yes, Kathy takes Katie and they leave with the female detective. And when the the male detective, you know, closes the door, Paul is just, he's hes so angry. Just understandable. He's like, what my wife went through, what he did to my wife, what they both did to her. Says, I, I couldn't do a damn thing. I wanted to jump them. It's like I, 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 I can understand that you would have, and even the detective, I believe, says, you know, basically, I, I get that. But if you had tried something, they would have killed you. They would have killed your wife and baby. And the detective sits down at the desk with, you know, because Paul says, you know, I promised her I would protect her, that if they either of them laid a hand on her. 
And yeah, the detective says, look, if you'd have tried anything that would provoke more violence, it could have been fatal. You could have resulted in, you know, you losing your life and your wife and your baby being killed. And Paul, clearly this is affecting him because he, he feels extremely guilty. Like, he didn't do enough. And the detective is saying the complete opposite. Like, it sounds like you did everything you possibly could in the situation. And Paul says, no, I didn't protect my wife and baby. He thinks that, he says, Kathy's going to hate me for that. Dude, she was just surviving just like you were trying to survive. She's not going to hold it against you that you couldn't protect her. You were tied up. What could you do? Those guys held your lives in the palm of their hands. They could have taken you out at any minute just for shits and giggles. Because they could. And I'm not trying to judge him. I'm not trying to judge Paul at all in any way. Because... I can't even imagine what they were going through and what the aftermath, the traumatic PTSD they most likely suffered afterwards. That's not. That's him. That's Robert Nutt. I want to personally kill this bastard. Mr. and Mrs. Punk, I'd like you to meet my associate, Special Agent Kenderson. Oh. Is there anything I can get for you? Mrs. Plunk, I'm going to have to take you and your daughter to the hospital for an examination. Sounds to me like you both handled the situation incredibly well. No, I didn't protect my wife and baby. So, Kathy is in the examination room. The detective, female detective, has brought her clothes. I would be like, burn those clothes. I can't see her ever wanting to wear them again. And Kathy asks a question that probably other viewers are probably wondering themselves. She asks, am I pregnant? And... The de female detective says, we'll know more in a few a few days. You, you, well, probably they got to run a pregnancy test. Probably that they're going to, it's going to take a minute for results. This isn't one of those at-home pregnancy tests that you get results in a half hour or whatever. And more than likely, they probably had to run other tests as well. 
And Kathy asks about the other tests. Like, what about the other tests? And the woman tells her when Frost and Knot are brought in, when they're apprehended, we'll test them for, you know, AIDS and, you know, other things as well. And the detective, she even says, you should also schedule yourself for periodic tests. Just because it doesn't show up this time doesn't mean it probably wouldn't show up down the road or, or something. Who knows? So, of course, they're going to, forensics is going to want her clothes. And Kathy says, you, they can keep them. Like, I wouldn't want them back. Hell no. And... Kathy is just thinking about, you know, the things that, you know, she had to do and just seeing how disgusting that was. And the the woman said, asked, like, what do you think that you've done that is so terrible? So she says, you know, the whole thing with, with Jeff, I led him on. I made him think that we were Bonnie and Clyde. Like, you didn't do any, you did what you did to have to survive. And that's what you said. We'll do whatever we have to do to survive. And the female detective notices she calls, you know, Mr. Frost, Jeff. Like, you keep calling him Jeff. You liked him. And Kathy is just disgusting. No, no. And the female detective says, I'm not, I'm not accusing you, Kathy. Kathy says he was different from not from Robert not he was more human and she says you know I wanted him to help us and as weird as it sounds I wanted to help him because she could see like definitely this is someone who's struggling that just feels like he has nowhere else to turn and he's turned to a life of and she thought that maybe through talking to him and everything, and that maybe she'd get him to, you know, change his ways, take a different path in life. Yeah, and she's just, Kathy's just saying how this just sounds so crazy, and just, and the female detective says, no, you did what you had to do to survive. And Kathy's just like, you know, I let him like me, you know, Frost, Jeff didn't hold a gun to my head. And even Kathy's kind of blaming herself. Like, I didn't fight enough. I didn't. And the female detective says, you did what you had to do to survive. And the female detective says, these two men held the power of life and death over all three of you. And just like what Paul is thinking, like, Kathy's going to hate me for not protecting her. Now, Kathy is feeling... What will Paul think of me of the things that I did? It's like you didn't have a choice. Am I pregnant? Well, no more in a few days. What about? Frost and not will be tested for AIDS as soon as they're apprehended. To be safe, though, you should schedule your own periodic checkups. Kathy, forensics will need your clothes for tests. Oh. They can keep them. 
was it me doing all those things? It's, it's all so disgusting. What do you think you've done that was so terrible? The whole thing. What I did with Jeff. Not letting on. I let him pretend we were Bonnie and Clyde. You keep calling him Jeff. You liked him. No. No. I'm not accusing you, Kathy. It was different from not. Or human somehow. And at first I I wanted him to help us. And then as as weird as it sounds. I wanted to help him. It's crazy. It doesn't... It doesn't make any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. You did exactly what you had to do. everything that was necessary to survive. You must see that. These two men had the power of life and death over all of you. What will Paul think of me? So it looks like they did find a motel hotel for Paul and Kathy and Katie to stay in for the night, at least until that way they can get themselves situated if they have to go back to the hospital, if they gotta speak to detectives again. Paul immediately takes control and says, hey look, I'll get the baby to bed and you can just do what you need to do. So Paul is worried about how this ordeal will affect Katie. And Paul tells... Kathy tells Paul that according to the doctor that she's still young, that she really won't be affected by it, that she most likely won't even remember this this happened. And Kathy says we should be so lucky. Like if only we could forget that this ever happened. And put So the bathroom that they're in has a stand up shower and a tub. So he knocks on the door because she says, I'm going to go take a bath or something. 
And he knocks on the door and he just comes in and asks, Are you okay? You've been in here for hours. And she clearly is trying to distance. With everything that happened traumatically, she's it's clearly taken a toll on her and her husband's relationship. Even now that they're alone and they're not, you know, the ordeal might be over in that sense but it's like now they're dealing with the aftermath of the damage that's been done to their relationship and she says I'll be out in a minute and he's like oh I'll get you a towel and she puts her hand up like just stop okay stop I just need some space I cannot and even you know for someone that's been sexually assaulted physically assaulted they wouldn't want anyone putting their hands on them. I can imagine, like, please just give me my space. So now it's later in the evening. They're in bed together. And Paul, you know, goes to comfort Kathy, who's asleep. And he puts an arm around her. And she immediately, like, raises her hand. Like, this is, she's like, Jeff, no! And he says, Kathy, it's me. And she apologetically, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So I'm surprised that she didn't say, like, like, please, I'm gonna sleep on the couch or something, because... Well, this is a welcome change. How do you feel? More tired than I've ever felt in my life. Well, uh, oh, there, I'll put Katie down, and then I'll get us organized here. You think the last few days will hurt her? The doctors say she'll be okay. She's young. Probably won't remember. <laughs> we should be so lucky. Look, I'm too tired to think. Do you mind if I take a bath? No, of course not. Okay, you've been in here forever. I'll be out in a minute. Oh, well, let me get you a towel. Paul, I just need some space, okay? Okay, so going back to Robert and Jeff, they still have hijacked that tow truck with the tow truck driver and the lady, unrelated of course, and they got a cop, uh, police roadblock 
and there's a shootout, and Jeff is killed, and Robert is also, well, no, he's not, he's not killed, he is shot in the neck. So, now we go to breakfast at a restaurant somewhere with Paul and Kathy and Katie, and Paul just wants to get out of there. He wants to get back to Yaha. It's like, I'll call Hilda and Rudy, tell them we're okay, and then we're on our way back. I mean, since that's their home, but then again, would you want to go back there after a traumatic thing happened? I mean, I've... Would you even want to go back to doing what you originally were going to do, which is running a hotel? So before Kathy can even answer Paul, here come the detectives with news that they've been apprehended. Frost has been killed, not as in custody. The cop, the detective says, it's all over. One of them was killed in the shootout. And, of course, Paul is happy to hear that. Kathy, of course, asks which one. So, the detective says that they took a couple hostages in a tow truck. Frost was killed in the shootout. They thought not was dead, but he actually looks like the doctors say he's going to pull through. Which would, yeah, Paul is not happy to hear that at all. Yeah, he says, you should have finished the job, damn it. Like, the fact that now Not is recovering in a hospital? Great. And Kathy, upset upon this news about Jeff, leaves to go to the restroom. Like, the news is too much for her to hear. And the female detective consoles Kathy in the restroom. And Kathy's just crying, just saying as sick as he was, he was just a stupid, dumb kid. He was just a dumb kid. And she says, I even, I told him, and I told Paul, it didn't have to end like this. And the female detective says, you know, but that's exactly where their lives were headed. If it wasn't going to be this time, it would have been another time, and he would, most likely, they would have been killed. Like, this wasn't something, you can't just come back from this and just... <laughs> They were wanted for kidnapping people. I guess she's got a soft heart and she's just like, oh, if only he could have, you know, he was just a dumb kid. He could have turned his... If he had wanted to turn his life around, he would have. But he chose not to. I don't think there's anything Kathy could have said or did that was going to change Jeff's mind. And, the you know, the female detective tells her, it's like, you and your husband could have been taken down with him. You guys are lucky to be alive. And she says a woman named Jenny, something or other, wasn't so lucky she was killed in the shootout. Yeah, and she says, you know, the detective tells her, you know, Jenny, something or other, wasn't so lucky she was killed in the shootout. She was 29 years old. She had, she was married. She had two kids. And Kathy confesses to, you know, Deborah, the detective. She says, Paul wants us to go back to Yahad's today, but Deborah, I don't think I'm ready to go back. I can't imagine you would be ready to go back. Oh my gosh. What is he, he just wants to, what, put it behind him like it never happened? Like you can just go there and go back to that room where everything happened and just... No, I would be like, no, sell the hotel, just... 
Yeah, not to mention they're $9,000 ago. Their money is just, they have nothing now. I mean, they had their lives. That's important. And Kathy just, she's crying. She's like, he, he, he doesn't know what I've been through. I mean, he was there, but, and he thinks he knows, but he, he doesn't really know what I've been through. So Deborah says to Kathy, he knows more than you give him credit for. You need to be more understanding about what he's been through because he blames, like, yeah, he blames himself. Like he couldn't protect you. Deborah even says, you know, what he's still going through. Like, you're going through with Jeff Frost. It's, it's this tremendous guilt of I could have, should have done more, but I didn't. You know, I've been thinking, I think after breakfast we should get out of here. I'll call Rudy and Hilda, we'll tell them we're okay, and we're on our way. Morning. Uh, any news? Uh, it's all over. They're dead. One of them was killed in a shootout earlier this morning. Which one? They had a couple of hostages with them, tried to make a run for it in a stolen tow truck. Huh. Frost was killed at the scene. Not was shot as well. We thought he was dead, but doctors seem to think he's going to pull through. Well, you should have finished the job, damn it. Kathy. 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 That's exactly where their life was headed. You and your husband are lucky they didn't take you down with them. Jenny Blaker wasn't so lucky. She and a young man, tow truck driver, were taken hostage last night. She died in the shootout this morning. Oh, no. She's 29 years old. Oh, no. Married with two small kids. to go back to your huts today. Deborah, I don't know if I can ever go back there. He doesn't know what I've been through. I mean, he was there and, and then he thinks he knows, but he can't, he can't really know. <laughs> he knows more than you give him credit for. You need to be more understanding about what he's been through what he's still going through. Just as you are of Jeff Frost. So Paul and Kathy get back to Yahats and Rudy and Hilda um, have a surprise. They have balloons, a banner that says welcome home. They're just very cheery. And, but it just, it looks like it's very hard for even... Kathy, as she walks in there, is just shocked because that is just, you know, that's the scene of the crime where it all happened. And she says, you know, oh, flowers. I love flowers. And 
you know, Hilda is hugging her and everything like that. And they say it's not just from us, it's from the whole town. We want you to stay. And Hilda asks Kathy, like, do you want me to do anything? Do you need anything? Anything I can do, anything at all. And Kathy asks her, can you come upstairs with me? Oh my god, yeah. I can only imagine, like, going up and seeing their little um, studio, their apartment area, where their living space and where everything went down and just, oh, I wouldn't be ready to go back there, I'll tell you that. So, Kathy heads upstairs with Hilda right behind her, holding her hand, and Kathy lets go and, you know, walks into the room and... Even though, even if the room has been picked up and straightened and everything, it's still going to be so traumatizing. Your mind is playing those clips in your head over and over and over again. And Paul comes up, and you just see Kathy's face as she's just looking around, and her face just crumbles, and she just, in a thick voice, just says, I, I, I can't live here. No, I wouldn't be able to either. It's like, we need to live off the property somewhere or something. They can run the motel, but we can't live here. And Paul says, honey, honey, we don't have to live here. We can just, you know, maybe rent a place nearby. Here they come! Ta-da-da! Oh. Kathy! Welcome home, home, darling. Hey, right. oh. Hi, Paul. What's oh, all this? It's so good to see you. Hi, Kathy. Oh, so good to have you back. Look at this. It's beautiful. I love flowers. It's not just from us. It's from the whole town, Kathy. Everybody wants to welcome you back home. And we hope... We want you to stay. Is there anything I can do to help you? In any way? Would you come upstairs with me? Kathy and Paula found an apartment in in town somewhere 
and you know she's just kind of staring out into <coughs> the water you know from her their little uh patio balcony and he tells her well i'm gonna go and open up the motel so she wakes up in bed he's not there and clearly he just fell asleep in the chair so out in the living room and i'm just kind of wondering whether or not maybe uh They're clearly having, you know, marital difficulty. You know, after what happened, I can imagine she doesn't want any form of intimacy, even if it's with her, her spouse, whether it's, uh, a, you know, as much as we see, you know, him put, like, a, a hand on her shoulder or something like that, and that's about it. But, so, yeah, she does drape a blanket over him while he's sleeping in, in the chair, and she does, you know, tenderly touch his sleeping face. Well, it's the next morning. Kathy gets up. Paul's already up going through figures. And, you know, she actually bends down and kisses him on the top of the head. And she's like, oh, I didn't hear you get up. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to over, over these figures. And she's like, oh, well, I thought maybe we could go down by the water, just the two of us. So now he, it, he's avoiding her. It's like, yeah, I thought we could go down to the, by the water and, you know, talk. And he's like, nope, nope, sorry, not today. So, Kathy's got some firewood that she brought, or driftwood or whatever, from down by the water. And she comes into the office area of the Yahats Motel and sees Paul putting bars on the front, in front of the front desk. So that way there's a, you know, nobody can get back behind the front desk. And I think he even says, I should have done this in the beginning. And Kathy tells Paul, it's like, we didn't move here to live like this. Have you lost your mind? He says, yes. It's not going to happen again, Kathy. And this is going to make sure that you're safe. He just wants to make things safe for her when he's not there. And she says, you know, I agreed to give this a try, but this isn't the way to do that. You know, putting barbs up and everything. So and she asks him, like, this isn't a zoo. Can we talk about this? And he says, it's not open for discussion. And you're not going to be working alone until I'm finished here. I'm surprised he didn't get her a gun to have underneath the counter. Oh, so she basically just wanted to drop his lunch off. Uh, oh, that's what that was. I thought she had, like, driftwood or something. And she picks up Katie and leaves. I didn't hear you get up. I want to get an early start. I've got a lot to do today. Well, I thought maybe we could spend some time down near the water. Just the two of us. To talk. Maybe tomorrow. Paul, I really... Not today. Something I should have done when we first bought this place. Well, we didn't move here to live like this. Have you lost your mind? Yes. It's not going to happen again, Kathy. And this will make sure that you're safe. 
when I'm not here. Look, I agreed to give this a try, but this is not the way. Paul, this isn't a zoo. Can we talk about this? It's not open for discussion, Kathy, and you're not going to be working alone till I'm finished here. Fine. Here's your lunch. So now we're back in the apartment, and Paul just doesn't... There's definitely a distance between Kathy and Paul. He's trying to protect her by putting bars on the front desk area so that way Kathy is that way nobody is coming around the side of it and everything like that and he's like I don't understand why you're getting so angry I'm just trying to protect you and she gets up because she's you know playing on the floor with Katie and Kathy goes over there and says you know I refuse to live like this this isn't what our dream was about and I don't, I'm not just referring to the bars on the front desk either so he even said, you know, that's when we moved away from Tucson to get away from, you know, the bad, you know, you know, bad morals and just bad, just overall, just not a great area. There's no intimacy as far as, yes, if someone goes into a motel and they see bars on the front desk, what are you going to think? You're probably going to be turned off thinking, oh, this probably isn't a safe hotel. You want to feel safe. And she even says, you know, the intimacy between you know, me and our, our guests, you know, being welcoming. The, the bars do not make that hotel look welcoming. It makes it look like it's not a safe place. And she also mentions, you know, forget about intimacy. We can't even talk about the weather anymore. It's like, yeah, he's sleeping in a chair in the living room while she's, you know, sleeping in the bed. There's no whatever intimacy they may have had as a couple has pretty much been destroyed by what happened with, you know, her being physically and sexually assaulted by both Robert and Jeff. This is basically Paul's guilt, is I couldn't protect my wife. So let me put bars on the front desk so that way she'll be protected. Even when, I'm surprised he didn't install security cameras and stuff like that. And put a gun under the counter. Or hire a security guard or something to stand in the corner for eight hours while the motel is being run. Yeah, and they were, you know, a close and loving couple, but just that traumatic event of what happened has really destroyed any of that. I can imagine, you know, and, well, I can't, but I just think, like, if something like that happened you most likely would have a hard time trying to feel intimate when your innocence has basically just been ripped away from you. Yeah, she says, you know, you're constantly always at the motel. When you're not there, you're walking around like Rambo on guard duty. It's just, there's no talking to you. It's like, yeah, when... She's there. He makes himself scarce. Like when, like she says, "Let's go down by the water. Let's talk. You know, let's have a conversation." And he's like, "No, can't do it." So yeah, he's clearly avoiding her, and it's not because he's trying to make her feel guilty for what happened with Robert and Jeff. It's just because he feels guilty about what he couldn't do enough to protect her. And she tells him, this isn't the man I fell in love with. And, you know, Paul tells Kathy, I'm only trying to keep this family together. 
Yeah, and then he runs on her with, you know what your problem is? You're too trusting. Yeah, heaven forbid she tries to see the good in people. And she looks at him and says, you know, you used to say that was something you liked about me. It's like, <sighs> And he says, well, that was before. And then she says, I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to be living like a prisoner. I don't want to live suspicious of everybody that walks in the door. And she says, that's what the bars are for. You're not trying to keep people out. You're trying to keep me in. And he looks at her and says, why are you trying to make this so hard for me? And she fires back with, well, what, you think this is easy for me? Yeah, it's a, like, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make it easier for you. Oh, my God. And you just, I feel bad for them for what they've had to endure, for what it's done to their marriage and their relationship. It says, yeah, she thinks that they need to get, like, professional help. We need to see somebody. We need to fix this. Well, I think we're doing just fine. And she says, no, I don't think so. And he yells at her and says, well, we would be if you just do what I say. And slams the door and just leaves. He's like begging, screaming at him. Like, come back here and talk to me. Damn it, we don't need to do this alone. It's like, no, a marriage is communication 100%. 100%. If you don't have good communication in your marriage, then you got, and, and you're not on the same wavelength. You're not on the same. You, gotta, you both got to be on the same table there. I mean, I understand that people are going to have opposite opinions and opposite ways of doing things. But there's got to be some level of communication. you got to be on the same page with each other. Hi, Katie. I don't know why you get so angry. I'm only trying to protect you. I refuse to live like this, Paul. This isn't what our dream was about, and I don't just mean those bars. There's no intimacy. Forget intimacy. We can't even talk about the weather anymore. When you're not working yourself to exhaustion at the motel, you're, you're stalking around here like, like Rambo on guard duty. This isn't the man I fell in love with. I'm only trying to keep this family together. You know what your problem is? You're too trusting. You used to say that was something you liked about me. Yeah, well, that was before. Well, I don't care. I'd rather be that way than always suspicious, than, than living like a, a prisoner. That's it, isn't it? Those bars aren't to keep people out. You're trying to keep me in. Why don't you just admit it? Why are you making this so hard for me? And I suppose you think you're making it easy on me. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Well, I think we both need some help. No, I think we're doing just fine. No, we're not. Well, we will be if you'll just do what I say. Come back here and talk to me, damn it. We don't need to do this alone. So it's nighttime and Katie's put down bed for the night. Kathy's checking on her and then Kathy hears this noise coming from outside and she looks and I think this is how Paul is kind of working through things and his anger and his frustrations, his guilt, all of that is through chopping wood. 
So, yeah, it looks like she's fixed lunch or dinner and Paul comes in like she's like, oh, guess what? You're just in time for lunch. And he asks where Katie is and Kathy says, well, I put her down. She was tired from all the shopping I did. She says in Newport, I guess Newport, Oregon. And of course, this makes Paul angry. He's like, Damn it, I told you I didn't want you going into town alone. So he is he is getting obsessively protective. Where he doesn't even want her going out by herself in the car. Or the van, or whatever. So, yeah, he's just like, oh, we've talked about this. And she says, yeah, you talked, I listened. That I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Yeah, she asks how fishing was, and Paul says... You know, I thought I could get away from things, get my mind off things. And he says all he ended up doing was snapping at, at Rudy. And it's just like, ugh. Yeah, no one knows what they've been through and just what they're still going through. Like, they may be out of, you know, danger, out of harm's way. But the damage has clearly really been done to them. Like, they are still fighting this battle of just trying to get back to who they were in some ways. So, Paul's come to the conclusion. He says, I've decided we shouldn't be in the motel business. And apparently it's been six weeks, so a month and a half. Or, no, a month and two weeks, basically. And she looks at him like, I thought you said we'd give this a try. It's like, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be too much. It's too much too soon, honestly. And I think it's just, it's taken such a toll that maybe yeah, he's right, like, we shouldn't be doing this any anymore. And he says, you're right. I'm suspicious of everyone who wants a room. I jump at my own shadow. Yeah, they are seriously suffering from traumatic PTSD. And he, he tells her, he says, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to trust anyone again. So, and she opens up to him, you know, this is the first time they've actually had a conversation about what they're both going, they're both kind of going through the same thing in a way. She's scared all the time, she's nervous around anyone that comes to the hotel looking for a room. Heck, even if it's locals and just townsfolk. She even says, you know, even at their apartment, she's scared to be alone at night. And Paul even tells her, it's like, then what the hell are we even doing here anymore then? And then he looks at her arms crossed and he's just like, gosh, I wish I understood you. I wish I knew what was going on. And of course, Kathy reasons when, like, if we can't make a life here, then where are we going to go? Trauma is going to follow them wherever they go. Even if they don't feel safe there, you think you're going to feel safe in another state, in another city? No. So Paul tells her they stole something from me, Kathy. They stole a big piece of what it means to be a man. Yes, they, you know, they did, you know, he, nope, being a husband, you want to protect your spouse? You want to take care of them? Yeah, they basically ridiculed him. Jeff and Robert ridiculed him, you know, Paul laughed in his face, you know, even when he's wanting to threaten to kill them and everything like that. It's like, you can't do anything. You're tied up. Look at you. 
we can do whatever we want to your wife and you can't stop us. And he tells her, I can't live with the fear of letting this family down again. And that's what he feels. Kathy goes over to Paul and says, honey, you didn't let anybody down. You were so brave. And he just, he can't hear it. And Kathy thinks it's because of her. She says, you can't even talk to me. You can't even look at me because of what I did. And it just breaks her heart. They're both coming at this from from different sides of this traumatic event. He's feeling guilty because he couldn't protect her. She's feeling guilty because of the things that she did to survive. And he, you know, drops his hands from his face and looks at her and says, I am in awe of what you did. You are the strongest person I know. And that's probably why he feels like he failed. And she is crying. She says, I am not too strong. And he gets up and goes over to her and says, Kathy, it's not too late to start over. He tells her, let's sell out. Let's sell the motel. And she looks at him, tears in her eyes, and she says, Inka, where? Where are we going to go? And she tells him, running won't do anything. If we run them, we've let those monsters ruin our lives. And it's almost like by doing that, by accepting defeat, it's just like they're letting them win. And she says, no, we should stay. And then she looks at him in the face and tells him, and we should help each other. Like, they're both going through a traumatic experience. They both could use each other to lean on. But it's the guilt that they both feel that the other is ashamed of them for their actions. Like, Paul didn't do enough. And... Kathy gave in to those men. It's like, no, none of you did either of that. It's a matter and a will of survival. She even says, and forgive ourselves. Like, yes, you both need to forgive yourselves. And let go of this guilt that you're carrying around. Paul says that's the hard part. Just in time. Oh, good. Where's Katie? I put her down early. She was tired from shopping in Newport this afternoon. What? Damn it, Kathy. I told you not to go into town alone. What if... <sighs> We've talked about this. You talked. I listened. I was fishing. Didn't work. I thought I could get away from things and all I ended up doing was snapping at Rudy for no reason at all. Kathy, I've decided we shouldn't be in the motel business. But it's only been six weeks. I know. I thought we were going to give this a try. Oh, you're right. I'm suspicious of everyone who wants a room. I jump at my own shadow. My God, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to trust anyone again. Don't you know that I feel the same way? 
I'm scared all the time. I, I'm scared of everyone who comes into the motel. I'm scared to be alone here at night. Well, that's my point. What the hell are we doing here? God, I wish I understood you. Paul, if we can't make a life for ourselves here, then where? They stole something from me, Kathy. They took a big piece of what it feels like to be a man. And I wish you could understand what that does to me. I can't live with the fear of letting this family down again. Oh, honey. You didn't let anybody down. You were incredibly brave. You walked through the snow all the... This isn't about you, is it? It's about me. You can't talk to me. You can't even look at me because of what I did. I am in awe of what you did. You were, you are, the strongest person I have ever known. I am not so strong. Kathy, listen to me. It's not too late to start over, please. Let's sell out. And go where? Paul, running won't do it. If we run, we've let those monsters ruin our lives. No, no. We should stay. And we should help each other. And forgive ourselves. That's the hard part. So it's nighttime. Kathy gets up and she goes to Katie's room and sees that Paul is just just holding her and rocking her and humming to her and just needs to feel that his daughter is, is, is there and that she's real that it just because uh. even though Katie is a baby she's still I think in some ways going to care even if she doesn't remember she's still going to carry that around with her so Kathy is at the hotel motel, excuse me, and Paul is being visited by somebody. We don't know who it is, but Paul is getting irate and just saying, you need to go. I don't want to talk about this. You need to go. Some would probably think it's a reporter. Like, no, it's not a reporter. So, yeah, he's just saying, get out of here. Get out of here. And the guy says, oh, it's just my job to check things out. And Paul tells him, well, it's my job to kick you off my property, so leave. And then here comes Kathy wanting to know what's going on and, like, who, who that is. The fact that he's holding an axe, Paul's holding an axe while he was yelling at this guy. So she tells Paul, like, you have got to stop this. You've got to stop attacking people. And he says, well, I wasn't attacking anybody. And he, she, and Kathy asks, well, then who was that? And he's like, oh, you want to know who that is? That's not Robert Knott's lawyer. 
Yeah, and Paul says, I'm just doing what you always told me to do. Telling someone how I feel about them. No, he's an investigator for Nott's lawyer. Oh, good grief. They want Kathy and Paul to testify on Robert Nott's behalf. Are you in... What? What? They want the victims of this man to testify on their assaulter's behalf? Really? Who in the hell is coming up with this shit? Because they want us to say something nice about him at the trial. This guy went around killing, well, kidnapping people. to mention that one lady died towards the end who was in that tow truck. So wouldn't they technically, even though they didn't kill her, well, wouldn't, I don't know. Well, Jeff is dead, so he can't be tried. But I would think, like, the multiple kidnapping charges, whether those are all going to be separate cases or not. Yeah, and Kathy can't believe her ears. She's like, you can't be serious. And he's like, oh yeah, you bet I am. Remember when we told him that we might be able to get him a job at the motel? He actually took us seriously. And Paul says, now they want us to be some character witnesses to some psycho just because he didn't kill us. She... Kathy starts kind of giggling, just kind of finding it kind of funny for some weird, like, she, and he's like, what are you la- what are you laughing at? And she says, well, this is, the whole thing is all just so absurd. Yeah, and he's like, I'm not finding it funny, what's the joke here? And she's like, can you imagine us in court saying, oh, yes, your honor, we offered Mr. Not a job because we thought he'd make a terrific night manager. What in the hell? You believe this shit? It's just, it's this tension that is built is just finally starting to melt away and they're letting themselves kind of finally feel something that isn't fear and anger you know t- you know that they've been especially Paul's been just obsessing over and everything you know especially just being really just I guess maybe not paranoid is not the right word but he's just been really intense with it just being very suspicious of everybody but the fact that I'm mean, she's even able to laugh for the first time and even Paul is starting to chuckle and just just they're letting themselves feel another emotion for a change that they haven't felt in a very long time. She's laughing say, Oh yeah, we thought he'd be great with the guests and just all along just thought he was completely misunderstood. Come the hell on. What judge is gonna take that crap seriously? So they can actually let themselves feel intimacy as she cups his face and they're just, you know, his, their heads are kind of bent together and it's just like, oh, they, they've just been missing this needing to re, you know, connect with each other on some level or something. But at least he said, you know, it's a start at least for us. Like that proves that they're going to make it. And he says, I love you, Kathy. We're going to make this work for us. And she hugs and kisses them, and then we see kind of a flash forward of them, you know, in the, like, a little park area on a blanket, kissing, and there's baby Katie. So, we do find out two years after their ordeal, Kathy gave birth to a son. Kathy and Paul continue to operate the motel at Yahats. And it also says Robert Gerald Knott was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. My guess is that guy's got to be dead. By now, at least. Wait a minute. 
good things I saw him. Just get out of here, all right? No, look, no, no. I don't want to say anything more to you, okay? And I don't want you to talk to me. Leave, all right? No, get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here. You gotta be out of your mind. Look, Mr. Plunk, it's my job to check these things out. Yeah, well, it's my right to kick you off my property. So Paul. get the hell out of here and don't come back. Come on, get out. Get out of here. Paul. Come on, move it. Paul, you've got to stop. You've got to stop attacking people. I'm not attacking anyone, well, Kathy. what was that? But I'm, I'm just doing what you're always after me to do. I'm just telling somebody what I felt about them. Well, that guy, that I'm guy, sure... You know that guy is? He's an investigator for Knott's lawyer. Get this, they want us to testify in Knott's behalf. They actually want us to say something nice about him at the trial. You're not serious. Oh, yes, I am serious. You remember when we said to them that maybe we could give them a job back here at the motel? Well, that jerk took us seriously. And now they want us to be character witnesses for some psycho because he just didn't kill us. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, God, Paul, it's just... It's just all so absurd. What? I mean, no, you have to see the humor in it. It's not funny, Kathy. I don't think it's funny. No, no. <laughs> No, listen, listen. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. We offered Mr. Not a job because we thought that he'd make a terrific night manager. Right? Yeah. We thought he'd be great with the guests. <laughs> and the deep down, he was just truly misunderstood. <laughs> Kathy gave birth to a son. Kathy and Paul continue to operate the motel at Yahats. Robert Gerald Knott was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this review. I just thought that this movie just exemplified amazing talent from Joanna Kearns and John Stamos and of course props to Barry Bostwick I didn't really I haven't really seen him in anything else Chad Lowe I think he was on the show one day at a time or not one day at a time but um that was like life as we know it or something that also had um what's her face who was it Oh, oh my 
What is her name? I cannot think of it right now. But she also voiced Roxanne in a Goofy movie. Kelly Martin, that's what. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I just, I think this movie is just amazing. And it's sad that that is something that happened in real life that people had to endure that. Um, I did find some more information online. So, okay. This actually tells about how... Alright, this is from Morton, Washington, because that's where they wound up. They went from Oregon to Washington. Okay, let's see. Looking for two Wisconsin men believed to have kidnapped and released seven people in two states over a period of ten days. Suspects Jeffrey Frost, 22, and Robert Knott, 23, believed to be armed, fled on foot through marshes and fields east of Morton after releasing a family of three kidnapped in Oregon including eight an 18-month-old girl. All right, let's see here. Let's see, it was speculated that the pair originally had been headed for the town of Colfax, Washington, 230 miles to the east where Frost's parents are believed to reside. That's what the officer said. That's kind of where their destination was. So they went from Wisconsin all the way to Oregon and working their way to Washington. They were just kidnapping people and changing vehicles along the way. Okay, so Paul Plunk was 42 when he was kidnapped. Okay, so Paul Plunk, 42 of Yahats, was released Saturday morning on a logging road near Ashford, 20 miles of northeast of Morton, near the entrance to Mount Rainier National Park. As he was making his way out of the woods, a police officer in Morton spotted the family's stolen van, believed to be containing Catherine Plunk, 35, and Mary Plunk. So the baby's name in the movie is Katie, but her actual name is Mary, who is, oh, okay, 18 months old. Well, it also says in this article that both John Knott, John Knott, Robert Knott and Jeff Frost were reportedly armed with two forty-five automatic pistols, a thirty-eight revolver, and two knives. Good grief. So, the pair had vowed not to go back to prison, but police said they knew little of their background except for they had criminal records, and that Robert Knott was wanted in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, for failure to appear on theft and disorderly conduct charges. All right, so if you want to email the podcast, you can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. So I hope you guys enjoyed this review, and I will be back later this month. Bye-bye.